my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to the No Encore podcast and finally welcome to the No Encore podcast to a former colleague of mine, a man who shocked me when he arrived here today because he said that we haven't seen each other face to face apparently in about four years or thereabouts, which makes me feel terrible. I'm a terrible person, but this man is not a terrible person. He is a battle rap enthusiast. He is a man about town, you could say. He uh, covered the Women's World Cup over in Australia this summer for a prominent radio station, and now he's back in the journalism game, but most importantly, he is my guest. It is Rudy Kinsella. Wow, that has made me sound a lot better than I than I feel about myself, Dave. So, thanks, Emil. I, I won't wait four years now again if I'm getting an introduction like that again. This is a therapy session. <laughs> this is the plan. So, And also a former podcaster, of course. Yeah, yeah. A not lockdown in a, hit. No, a lockdown hit from my car, not in a studio as nice as this, or or even in a studio at all. I just had had one microphone. I, I had a microphone and a dream, and a, a whatever a Toyota Yaris, and it did okay. It did fine. You did, you did pretty well. I think you probably did better than us, Sonic <laughs> Architect Adam. Hello, always here. Great to be here. Yeah, it is. It's another week for the podcast. Uh, so yeah, uh, we worked together back in Joe. We did. What experience that was, Dave. Did you enjoy the company of me? I did. <laughs> I did. I, I, what a way to phrase that. Um, for some reason, I just thought you might ask something like that, but I, I really did. You, you were I'm massively insecure. You like were this. you were uh, always exciting to work with, Dave. I'll give you that. You very rarely came in with no news slash drama in your life. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been this guy, unfortunately. And yeah. you were great at your job. I'll add that too. Ah, ah, adequate. I will say you were talking. I heard you talking uh, about Rory stories earlier on. And <laughs> have I ever told the story about that I went to see Rory stories live by myself? Why? For journalism. Oh, thank God! It, it was meant to be the new picture. This piece. Five nights at Rory stories. <laughs> it was pitched to me that I would go and follow him on tour around the country. And I was like, lads, one show I think will do it. And I went to like see him in Vicar Street on my own because I couldn't get anyone to go with me. And so I was like, fine, I'll get a piece out of it. And I wrote a piece, and it was very scathing. So scathing it was that it never got printed. No. Never got published. And as a matter of fact, the very same week that I had my piece ready, guess who uh, sales brought in to do a thing with them? That's right, the man himself. Yeah. So if you, uh, do you still have a copy of that anywhere? I, I do actually. I would like it, yeah. to read it. Thank do you. Know you know what what I mean? Mean? The Patreon. headline: Patreon.com/slash <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> 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 No Encore. For the real journalism. <laughs> but what I would say as well is that uh, my headline, which my editor, uh, shout out to Connor Heenan, our former editor, uh, took one look at and went, "No, absolutely not, Dave." I my headline was: I went to Rory Stories live and now I hate myself. <laughs> Now tell me, you'd click that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I think I would. It never yeah, ran. God, it would've, it, that would have done numbers without a doubt. It never ran. I'm very upset. What a great comedian, though. Isn't he great? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan. My next, favorite bit. Next topic, please. My favorite, my favorite <laughs> bit of the entire show was when he, uh, was when he brought all the, the mirth down for just a moment to have a serious conversation about mental health. I was like, you can't do that. I was like, you can't punch down on people for an hour and then be like, ah, oh, but seriously now, lads, you know, it's tough out there for men. And I'm like, no, it is. But like, you no, fuck you. Anyway, Rudy, how are you? I'm good, yeah. You, you, you asked me how I am after the <laughs> 10 minute rant about Rory stories, but that, that was what it was like working with Dave. You would He would come in hot, he'd have a rant about something and then maybe four hours into the shift it would be, so how are you, Rudy? <laughs> oh, come on, four hours. That's just four minutes. No, it's good. There were some highlights. I think we had some. We had some fun moments. We had some good times. We did. I it miss was. It. A, it was a great. It was a great team. I often like look back and I kind of feel like I took it for granted that we had such a, such a fun. And like nowadays, like with people working from home, I don't know if I'll ever have like that office experience again, where I like really, really get to like I knew so much about almost everyone on the team, like people's yeah. people's flaws and strengths and stuff. And 
It's a shame, but we enjoyed it. We, we did. It. We loved it. We did. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, there was lots of problems within the structure of the place we worked for, but it, but we we were the glue, Rudy. And <laughs> you and I. <laughs> were I mean, the glue. what I'm getting at here is that I would, you know. I may be self-centered and I might, you know, come in hot with a story and dominate the conversation. I, you know, i got a big mouth and I shoot it off on the regular. But what I would never do, I would never ever pen a diss track about you, <laughs> good sir. Really um, nice. Inspired link, yeah. It was a bit laboured, I will say. But however, <laughs> I knew where you were going, let me yeah, tell you. <laughs> straight away, yeah. This week, uh, <laughs> this week on the show, it's top five diss tracks. We'll get into that later on. Uh, but for now, we'll jump into the news, will we? Let's do it. Like two journalists and Adam, who's also a journalist. And Adam. <laughs> The Sonic Journalist. <laughs> Start spreading the news. Right, so uh, my headline that I've written for myself here is uh, So Much for the Tolerant Left. And I'm going to have some audio to assist us with what I mean by that. There was a, a Tory party conference this week in the UK. I wasn't at it. You weren't at it, were you? No, I didn't get the invite, unfortunately. That's a shame. Uh, Adam? No. I, I turned down the invitation to it. No, I didn't. I, I, Burn that mailing list. Yeah, I say. actually I saw it, and let me tell you, I was not best pleased with what I heard. Well, uh, time for the listener to to share your pain. Let's have a listen to the entertainment at the uh, after party at the Tory party conference from this week that took place in Great Britain. At the start of that, does the front? I, I can only assume it's the front man from Top Loader. That's right, everyone's Top Loader. Top Loader, by the way. <laughs> People just do nothing. Found rotten in a ditch because absolutely the my selector vibes from that guy at the start is unbelievable. The tone is so different. That was Top Loader with their big song, their only big song, "Dancing in the Moonlight." And uh, yeah, I love when he's like, "Get ready to smash that late bar." That's a highlight. The crowd coming in too early on the chorus is a highlight. Uh, the entire thing is just a highlight. Really, you can hear the out of time clapping. But also, right, listen, in that recording. If you listen close enough, how many student union gigs do you think Top Loader have played? Like, how many times do you think they've played this song? <laughs> they've played everyone to ever exist, selling their soul to the devil by even just continuing this charade to even turn up to any live gig. But to the Tory party conference, what are you doing, Top Loader? Rudy Kinsley said something during uh, during that audio. There, oh, no. do you want to repeat it? That was off air. No, I, I said it's a good song. <laughs> and it's a, it, you said it yourself. If you were like out and that song came on, I didn't say if I was out. I said if I was obliterated, you, <laughs> you would sing along. I thought the best thing was at first I didn't know he said smash that late bar, and I thought he said smash that like bar, like a YouTube guy. <laughs> 
at a live gig. Smash that subscribe. Go home, log in to YouTube and follow us. Smash that like bar. On all socials, yeah. <laughs> Don't miss an update yeah, from Top Loader. <laughs> we'll be back Take that bell, guys, for notifications. Oh, yeah, you think it's a good song? I do, I really do. I'm not even being crazy, I, like ironic or anything. Do I, I want to know how old you were when the song came out? Because I feel like I, I'm, I'm 200 years of age and I feel like you're a lot Tell younger. me the year it came out. Oh, God. Adam, can you... Um, I can. I don't know, but I will find out. Yeah, that was me trying to uh, make you do research yeah. <laughs> in real time. You have to guess what Listen, he's doing. This is live journalism. My phone's everybody. on airplane mode, guys, because I respect the sanctity of the studio. <laughs> I think it's 99 or around then. I think 90... I'm going to piss off my answer then. Oh, God, you were like 10 or something, were you? Way less. That's disgraceful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So hang on. Hang on a T- second. Yeah, there's so many songs, Adam. It's going to take you ages. I know. Like, yeah, it is a real deep cut. I've given you a Herculean task here. Yeah. Here we go. Top loader, for anyone who doesn't know, are a mid level uh, <laughs> <laughs> British indie band. Where is the. I can name the album. All I've got is the lyrics. Okay. I know what year the album came out of. The album was called Anka's Big Mocha. Okay. Great name for an album. Not really. How yeah. is this taking you this long? I have no idea. This I I've forgotten all. My, oh my god! My I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, no. I've got it. I've got it. I've got yeah. it. I've got it. Okay. So. Oh my god. It is not an original. Did you know that? Yeah, no, I knew that. Yeah, it's cover. Okay. So. Two thousand. Two thousand and one. February twenty first, two thousand. Okay. Right. Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine was clearly dead and gone. The beauty of nineteen ninety nine giving us every pop culture gem ever. We had to, awesome for humanity. We had one. to pay for it uh, with this. So, what is your relationship with this song? Well, I was three when it came out. <laughs> oh, I just, Jesus Christ! I don't even. I don't, I don't have any sort of relationship. But, but like, that's a song that gets played at like a lot of. A lot of parties. It's been in a lot of ads, I feel. Yeah. And it's definitely not one like one of those ad songs that when it comes on, I'm like, oh, get this off. I'm like, okay. Really? Right. All right, lads. I mean, like, what, what I would say is, um, yeah, it's very much like doing the shopping at home base. Get this new offer. You know, like, like yeah. yeah, you could picture <laughs> you it in that. Hear it in as well. Annoying couples. No, hang on. It says, it says here, Adam, in my news story. Okay. Their 1999 hit version of Dancing in the Moonlight. I'm looking at this right now on the top loader Wikipedia. Sorry, not the top loader Wikipedia page, but the Dancing in the Moonlight Wikipedia page. Right, I'm going to look up Spotify and see what it says. It says released February 21st, 2000. I don't think that's accurate. Uh, this could be the worst opening stretch in to the podcast we've ever yeah, done. No, no, no. In 2000, British band Top Loader released the cover of Dancing in the Moonlight. It was originally released on February 21st, 2000 as the third single from their debut studio album, Anka's Big Manga. Big Manga. Yeah. Um, Why is it called that? Which is which? The album came out in 1999. There you go. There's your it's confusion. a post-album single. That's not possible. Lost art. <laughs> so no, 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 no. If if it came out, I'm reading it. right No, here. I know. But if it came out in 1999 on the album, then that's when the song the song wasn't underground in some fucking cavern until they released it as a single. Okay. Let me just check this. I'm, go- I'm looking. They at formed the- in 1997, by the way. That's I have it here. Look, I, that's why I like it. I have it here, guys. As they were formed, 11th, I was being formed. Eleventh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Eleventh of form like that. Yeah, the song was playing as you came out of the womb. Eleventh <laughs> yeah. of November 1999 is when the album came out. Right. Yes. That's the most important thing because guess what? The track is on the album. And it's like track number two. Track two, and it was released as a single initially. The original version would come out in 1970. The top loader version. Yes, you are correct. 2000, but what I'm trying to stress here, as I derail the podcast, is <laughs> technically the song is from 1999. Yes. But yeah, so there we go. 
Anyway, <laughs> glad we could clear that up, yeah, everybody. Yeah. I felt like and I'm that. sure the listener is very glad. I thought, too. I thought you were going to make some really important point after. It's going to be a four-hour podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've been criticised, as you might imagine, for for playing at the Tory conference gig. Uh, a music critic called Simon Price wrote on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I once hit the guy from Top Loader with a champagne cork at the Q Awards from right across the room. Hell of a shot, but I felt slightly guilty afterwards. What had he ever done to me except be in a crap band? I don't feel guilty anymore. Good tweet. Yeah, yeah, good tweet, good tweet. Um, I also saw that like the frontman of Reverend and the Makers, John McClure, said, Top Loader played the Tory conference and now I'll make it my mission to turn their records around every shop I enter. He follows me on Twitter. He does. Don't nice. know why. I never followed him back. Reverend and the Makers. Why so, didn't you follow him back? Why didn't I? Yeah. Because why would I want like why would I want access to the thought process of the guy who is in Reverend and the Makers slash their tour dates? <laughs> yeah, fair point. I will say I saw them last. No, this year at a I, festival. I yeah. saw them this year in Manchester. No, sorry, not Manchester. Warrington. I better get that right. Um, they were very good. They did play some wheels. Okay, I enjoyed it. We're top, we're top loader there. Top loader, we're not there, no. Remember that festival back in, I think it was 2018, where there was like a two-night festival in the UK, and top loader played both nights. They oh, were, Christ. They were the headliner for both Jesus. nights. A headliner? And the oh, second... you can get away with it if you're uh, on like the third stage. Jesus, yes. the headliner. Second on the bill was Gokwan, brackets DJ set. Phenomenal. What? Yeah. I'm telling you. That had to be like a... Was that like a BBC Radio 1? No, it was some thing, like, no? you know, weird regional festival. Interesting. T- two nights top loader. Like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Do you open and close with Dancing in the Moonlight? You have to, yeah. I, I think the reason that you think it's a good song is because you didn't have the relationship that I had with it where it was just everywhere. Those opening, like, the it makes you want to, like, scratch my face off with knives. Like, it's <laughs> awful. Awful. How do you feel about Taylor Swift? Oh, I love her. Oh, look, I, lo- I don't say I love her. I love... I mean, you just did. Yeah, so yeah, twice, actually. Yeah. But see, uh, when I think about it, I think about the music, because that's the sort of guy I am. Like, I that's focus true, on the yeah. music. You don't objectify women. No, I, I wasn't thinking about her looks either. I just mean, like, so... It's I, I really warmed to her in the past few years, and then got really eager to see her on that Eras tour and then like just seeing the prices of those tickets I was like fuck off like as much as I'm dying to see her like I'm I, like I'm gonna have to get two tickets gonna have to drag be the only person who drags his girlfriend to see Taylor Swift she's not a fan pay, like she's a fan but I don't think she like she's not bloody booking me a ticket like it would be upwards of like 250 euro and that's just crazy to go see but I do a uh, big fan of the music Okay, um, how do you feel about this whole NFL crossover that we've been talking about on the show recently? I think it's kind of fun. I think uh, uh, there's a bit of a TikTok trend of like girls pissing their boyfriends off by being like, "Can you believe that she's putting them on the map?" Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I also just uh, it, it's interesting to see like just that she is very blatantly now like the most famous person in the world. Like I don't remember that happening at all. Like I don't think that was the case like five years ago, and now she just is. Under, like I don't think there's another celeb that if they went if they got in a relationship with a, an NFL guy and went to the game it would have that impact maybe Beyonce but like she's probably second only to Beyonce I just don't know how or when that happened what about the frontman of Top Loader I don't even know who that is Joseph Washburn it Washburn says, it says here uh, they broke up in 2003 and got back together in 2000 why would you get back together what the fuck how many albums do you Top Loader have released uh, Rudy you first I'm going to say five. Adam? Three. The answer's four. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say four to push. Uh, Anka's Big Mocha, Magic Hotel, Only Human, and Seeing Stars. 
Dreadful titles all. <laughs> Taylor Swift, though. Back to Taylor Swift. She is, in fact, the news story of the moment. Um, there was a whole thing where, like, Carson Daly, who was a big VJ for MTV back in, like, I want to say... TRL, right? Yeah, yeah, 2000 yeah. or something. Um, 2000 when uh, Dance and Moonlight didn't, didn't get released. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just want cl- to clarify that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carson Daly did a thing for NBC where they used Swift language to uh, explain, you know, they had, had fun with it. Um... It was, we got a call from NBC Sports asking us to put tonight's story in a language that the legions of Swifties would understand. This guy, Travis Kelsey, well, he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, who are basically the next great American dynasty in the NFL. On the other side, there's the New York Jets. They've been left with a blank space after losing their star quarterback. Tonight's sure they're going to try to shake it off against the defending Super Bowl champions. It's probably not like it happened, maybe in their wildest dreams. This is phenomenal work, whoever did it. <laughs> I don't it's know so if it is. Inspired. <laughs> so... Uh, the question becomes, is the NFL overdoing it? Have they leaned in too much to this? Because it's actually a question that we you know, we listened to that podcast last week between Travis Kelsey and his brother. And on their podcast, these guys are content kings. They know what they're doing. Uh, they asked that question themselves. Travis said, and Travis, who apparently is going out with Taylor Swift, said, I think everyone's overwhelmed. Um, I think it's fun when they show who's at the game. It brings a bit more atmosphere, a bit more to what you're watching. But they're overdoing a little bit, especially my situation. Now, the NFL have come out and defended its decision to spotlight this romance and kind of make money out of it. They basically said that, you know, uh, we frequently change our bios and profile imagery because they, they put some stuff on Twitter on Twitter better. It was something like, you know, like they're tuning up since they become Swifties or something. Um, based around what's happening in and around our game as well as culturally. The Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey news has been a pop cultural moment we've leaned into in real time. It's an intersection of sport and entertainment and we've seen an incredible amount of positivity around the sport. Like, I can't imagine this in like the Premier League, can you? No, and I just wish it would happen in the Premier League. Like, I feel like that is what the Premier League is missing. This is someone who watches like every single Premier League game. So like, you can understand that I get a bit bored just by like the product itself. You're also a long-suffering Man United fan. Yeah, big time. Yeah. But like, so you've got like the the punditry is almost identical in every single game. The pundits are almost identical. Like if you throw a throw a throw a wild Taylor Swift into the equation, they have no choice but to but to mix it up a bit and and make it a bit more interesting. Like I just think that it was like say I remember being in America on holiday one time and like I was watching basketball and the comment like the pundits who were analyzing a game at halftime had like a six minute segment on like whether a guy, a particular player's form had like improved or gotten worse since he started going out with one of the Kardashians. <laughs> and they were like tr- treating it seriously and being like, yeah, well like in the past when they've dated Kardashians, like we have seen a bit of an improvement in form. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like imagine Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher doing this. It's like <laughs> Jack Reedus started going out with Dua Lipa. <laughs> unbelievable. Like yeah, they're analyzing like the new rules video. So yeah. freeze it there. It's just like... <laughs> Fucking hell! No, it's very, it's very American. It's very American. This is all very American. It really is. But that's you know, that's kind of what I want from this. You know, like English football fans would not stand for it. In that, like the second, like any of them show any sort of personality or like if they like play some sort of like game on Monday Night Football the comments are always like whoa enough of this now like just stick to the football here yeah, yeah, let's yeah. not get crazy Marcus Rashford feeding children was in, was in fact responsible for his dip in form and thus <laughs> he needs to stop doing that and score yeah, goals exactly. yeah exactly can yeah. you imagine if, if any of the United players were like dating a celeb that would just be that would be the reason for them being bad all of a sudden so yeah there's so many reasons unfortunately yeah. Um, so yeah you're, um, you're endorsing this relationship you ship these people do you yeah i don't know anything about the guy i definitely i ship i ship i ship the 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 nfl's response to it and and i'm i'm happy for taylor i'm hoping to get some good music out of it 
I feel like her music is has been getting better and better. And uh, yeah, better than Maddie Healy anyway. So well, he's uh, what a link! Oh no, he's he's later in the new section, really. Ah, damn. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm going to keep him later just to teach you a lesson about <laughs> how to structure a show. Um, how old were you in 2000? Did you say three? It's very upsetting. Um, so you didn't play FIFA 2000, the game? No, I feel like the first FIFA in our house was 02. Oh my god! So and you, it was a World Cup one. So that meant that you missed out on the opening when you, when you hit that opening menu when that CD booted up and made all kinds of PlayStation 1 sounds it meant that you missed out on this and they want us to grow up but we don't want to get a job we all need a decent rock where it's all kicking off baby it's alright baby it's That is Robbie Robert Williams and the song It's Only Us, which was made especially for FIFA 2000. It was the opening menu music. And uh, I can't really, I can't describe the stranglehold that this man had on pop culture. You know, when you were in your embryonic stages and then when you were a young baby making its way in the world. I don't know if you, like the peak Robbie Williams years for me were like the late 90s and this 2000 thing. And like, he was everywhere. This was genuinely a big deal. This felt like something that was like, oh my God, like, Robbie Williams has written a song for the FIFA game. Like, what What on earth? Like, this is unheard of. The FIFA soundtrack in itself was, like, such a big zeitgeist back then. It was how, like, a lot of people discovered music. They used to have some really good stuff. I remember you mentioned, like, World Cup there. I had, like, FIFA Road to World Cup 98. And I think if I... I think I had that too. You know? I think if I'm correct, that Song 2 by Blur was on that yeah, one. Yeah, correct. There's also a FIFA game that had um, Rockefeller Skank by Fatboy Slim. There was Jerk It Out was on one of them. Yes. That was a big one. I think that might have been O2, yeah. actually. That, oh, what a great song. I feel like a little less conversation remix probably in that there somewhere. That was on one of them, yeah. It was, was yeah. yeah. It was Has a, this been a top five? Top five FIFA songs? Yeah. I don't think we've done that Phenomenal one. Phenomenal no. banked immediately. Ha, yeah, has to be done. Yeah. yeah, it has to be done. With someone else, sorry, Rudy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the great start idea. start my own podcast and that's episode one. <laughs> Top five uh, FIFA songs. Adam's invited on, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, this was a big deal and the reason I'm bringing this up in the news section, I'm not, I'm not just having a stroke and I'm randomly talking about this song from 23 years ago. <laughs> that was great, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah. next year, sorry. <laughs> <Money> <laughs> yeah. uh, Taylor Swift, let's talk about Taylor Swift. Uh, no, no. Uh, members of the FIFA 2000 team have reflected on working with Robbie Williams uh, saying that his love for the series led to his appearance in the game um, and it only happened because of a throwaway answer when he was at the Brit Awards uh, he comes out of the Brit Awards the interview says what are you going to do now Robbie and he said um, which is a very like you know that's a very like movie question yeah it's what's very, next like, for you yeah and it's very like <laughs> end of the um, you know like literally the end of the untouchables like you know what are you going to do now Mr. Ness you know it's like like okay um he comes out of the Brit Awards and says what we're going to do. He said, I'm going to go home and play my coffee of FIFA 99, which is probably not true. He's probably gone off to, like, you know, have sex with a supermodel and do lots of drugs or something. Because right? that's what, you know, what he did. Big battle rap fan, Robbie Williams. Is that right? Yeah. Has put some money into it in the past, too. No way. Yeah. Well, he does fancy himself a rapper. I think he does. Not very and good, though. No, not so good. But a good guy, by all accounts. I, uh, maybe if there's some scandal, I don't know about maybe not a good guy. But <laughs> He's got a good guy rep, I think, for the most part. I mean, obviously, he, was, very, part, I think, he yeah. was a very tabloid-friendly figure, but I don't think there's any kind of... I haven't. I can't recall off the top of my head any kind of, you know, cancellation-worthy. Nice. Do you know uh, what football team he supports? Oh, 
I'm going to have a crazy guess and say Bolton. Don't ask me why. Not a million miles off, although I don't know about geographically. The answer is Port Vale. Wow. He's a famous Port Vale I fan. I wonder, he probably put some money into them too. I was going to say, yeah. Like Ed Sheeran and Ipswich. Yeah. Um, Funnily enough, Ed Sheeran, I saw an interview of him this week and he was saying Robbie Williams is like the only person who he can, who he can go to with his problems because he had a similar rise and like yeah. upbringing and trajectory and stuff how do you reckon Ed Sheeran's friends feel about that statement <laughs> well, I mean he's not going to go to like his friends and be like here what do you do when you make your second like, hundred so million successful hey, <laughs> hey Tom in accounting you know yeah. Taylor Swift won't stop calling me what do I do it's a nightmare man <laughs> you don't know what it's like um, so the FIFA team called his management and said was he serious was he actually playing the game and they were like he loves FIFA <laughs> he loves it um, fortunately FIFA's audio director was already in touch with William's record label and so they got him too this all comes down to the fact that uh, Rob Williams has said I think recently that in fact he would have done it for free you know, wow. or someone said he would have done it for free, which I'm sure isn't the case. I'm sure he was paid a fat wage. Yeah, back in 2000, that would have been a big sink for the, for them. Massive, like all of those things. Like he the, ain't coming cheap, video, especially because like that was an EA Games thing, and they were huge back then. Yeah. They had money to burn, mm-hmm. so like there was no doubt that he got a lovely big paycheck. As did the rest of the, you know, the features on there, because like that was at a time, you know, when the music industry really existed then, you know what I mean it's true yeah it's a different time you people know? were passing cash around like it was nobody's business lighting cigars with 100 pound notes you absolutely know? is there a 100 pound note I don't even think so no. maybe just for the music industry <laughs> there was then uh, <laughs> let me tell you I didn't know that that venue could hold 10,000 people it did that night <laughs> so hang on a second right um, you mentioned Mount Healy in uh-huh. many ways the modern day Robbie Williams you could say oh that's harsh on Robbie an enfant terrible of the uh, of the music scene I said enfant terrible on a work podcast the other day and I thought I thought it made it in but they cut it out oh well so I had to get it in here uncultured I did say murderer's row though and they got really scared about that term I was like no no it's, it, it, mean, it means star studded like it's not you know anyway that's 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 work problems I don't need to talk about that here <laughs> I love my job I do, I, I do actually like my job back to FIFA which is no longer called FIFA by the way oh, yeah what, oh, EA yeah, what, first EA, game so like about four years ago maybe five years ago I was sent to Berlin by Joe well like through EA like through an assassin I was sent to Berlin <laughs> I was sent to Berlin with one mission yeah one mission to play the new FIFA for hours and they literally just sat in this room where they had FIFA and like you were they had like a burger van outside so you could just play in the FIFA and go out and get a burger and then I like I thought it was like unlimited burgers so like I had like I, we were there for like nine hours I went to I had one and then like immediately got a second because I was like, going to bring this one back in with me and play FIFA then just as I was leaving I asked for another and she was like, no, you had one. I was like, oh, shit. Actually, was... I had two. But, uh, yeah, I had two. <laughs> but ever since then, I've just gotten sent like every FIFA. And then this year, I didn't. And I think it's because I lost an old email account. <sighs> so I had to like cheekily email EA and be like, hey, yeah, I'm just wondering if I could get the, the review code for this year's FIFA. And they were like, yeah, sure. Who are you reviewing it for? And I was like, um, well, I'm actually between jobs. I'll get it up somewhere. And... I have not, and they did send it. So, <laughs> well, hey, listen, here you go. This is the podcast. You yeah, listen. review. Uh, it is like every other FIFA ever. Which is <laughs> what I've always wanted to say in my reviews. It's like it's the like last one where the players have been adjusted to be on the new team. Yeah. That's the only change. Yeah, Mason Greenwood isn't available or something. No, you know? he's not. Well, Good. actually, I don't know. He probably is now. He though. wasn't last season. Let's not talk about him. He's horrible. Yeah, let's move let's on. talk about Matty Healy, who's much more wholesome. Um, so, <laughs> great review, by the way. I'm sure they'll really appreciate that. <laughs> They're not listening. You can them to the five seconds of you yeah track. you did exa- you did get it up somewhere uh, yeah true. exactly you're a man of your word yeah. uh, Matty Healy has apologised again for being Matty Healy essentially uh, people he's hurt 
He said, because some of my actions have hurt some people, I apologize to those people I pledged to do better moving forward. This is not a gig. You see, as an artist, I want to create an environment for myself to perform. Where not everything I do is taken literally. Um, you're not a fan. Not really. I'm very, I was very late to the 1975 game. Like, I really didn't ever listen to them, like, up until like a year ago. And for some reason, my like TikTok algorithm just kept like feeding me Maddie Healy vids. And like some of them I found like really deplorable. And then some of them I'm like, God, they're really, they seem really good live. But uh, I don't like his vibe. Don't like his whole buzz. Uh, I can accept that the music is good, but no, he's not my not my sort of guy in general, to be honest. That's fair. I mean, it's a conversation we've had endlessly on the show, and the best thing about this conversation is every time, no matter who the guest is, they're all just like, don't like him, Dave. Don't want, <laughs> don't want to talk about him. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, I'm not his spokesperson or anything. I just, you know, relish the opportunity to make people feel uncomfortable. Finally, this week in the news section, um, have either of you ever heard of the band Easy Life? Yes, I have, yeah. I, yeah. I like their early stuff. It's very good. So I'd never heard of them until this week. Can you tell us a bit about them? No, I don't know anything about them other than I like like a handful of their songs. That's from... about you, that's not about them. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got. They're UK, <laughs> they're UK indie bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're very, I think, um, London or maybe north of London, yeah, perhaps. Maybe. Um, I like that pronunciation. London? <laughs> that was me doing my impression of someone from London. I thought, I'm getting a little bit Pat Kenny. Yeah, a little bit. I'm going to just... Uh, Homer Simpson into the bush right now. <laughs> Go to London. Um, Easy Life have said that Easy Jets licensing group, Easy Group, are suing them because their names are apparently too similar. Uh, I, I do want Easy Jet. I thought it was a joke. It's not, though. They're not though. even that similar. No, they're like, not. It just has One's easy. a jet. Yeah. <laughs> One's going to sue Easy E from Beyond the Grave just because it has Easy in it. Like Easy uh, Singles? <laughs> that What's is next? Easy... Uh, the world's gone mad. Easy now. <laughs> <laughs> Easy E has a Z in it and Easy Singles has an I in it, lads. It's all very, it's all very different. You've come prepared. Look, I've worked in ad agency before. I these I things. know, <laughs> I understand. You know, I, I just see things differently, okay? <laughs> so they went on Twitter and they said, okay, never imagine having to do this. We've no choice to address the situation we find ourselves in. Some of you already discovered being sued. Easy Jet are suing us for being called Easy Life, forcing us to change our name, take up a costly legal battle, which we can't afford. We've worked hard to establish our brand and I'm certain we've never affected their business. Although we find this whole situation hilarious, we are virtually powerless against such a massive corporation. I don't really know what else to say. I'll keep you updated. For those of you who bought gig tickets and ended up on a budget flight to Tenerife, I apologise. <laughs> for the rest of you, thank you so much for your support. Now, I saw this, and most people on Twitter were like, this is a joke, right? Like, this is a gag, you're doing a gag, it's a single or something. Apparently not. So, Enemy, con- or, uh, Enemy contacted EasyJet, or EasyJet contacted them after they reported on the article. And said so the legal battle was in fact being carried out by Easy Group, which is the Cayman Islands registered company. Um, so there's this Easy. I, I don't know if you know this Easy brand in the UK. Like it's not just Easy Jet. There's like Easy everything. It's fucking Easy Home, Easy whatever. Like they put this name in front of every single thing. Do they like, have an Easy Life. I think they're maybe maybe they're building one in or something. They mm. do have one, and it's styled differently, and stylized differently. Wow. Okay. But yeah. it's all, but it's all like it's it's this kind of gigantic like licensing corporation thing that like you know links you to like all kinds of like you know like everything you could possibly want whatever I don't know but I, I like it's but what I find interesting is that like I, you would think that like the language is quite combative I think in terms of how they've approached it is this what are you going to read what I think you're going to read oh yeah oh it's phenomenal the spokesperson told enemy and I quote Stelios who's like the guy who runs the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) his name is sorry it's like uh, it's Stelios um, 
Sir Stelios Hagionanu. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. But yeah, Stelios, uh, as a standalone name, does sound like a vampire or something. Yeah, like a James Bond villain. <laughs> yeah, does. Uh, Stelios and the Easy Group founded and now own the right to the Easy brand name. Other companies, including Easy Life, pay annual royalties for its use as part of the business strategy. We cannot allow unauthorized third parties to simply use it for free, gratis, and for nothing. I don't know they didn't need three definitions there <laughs> it's the same thing in yeah. three languages like a football pundit he's quick he's fast he's got pace and they said um, that would be very unfair now I went I did some journalism I went to the easy website the overall umbrella website right and so good I couldn't believe the this the wording is just I couldn't believe this there is a URL easy.com slash brand thieves there's a button on there called brand thieves wow. and they have a list of Every time they have crushed someone who has used the name Easy, uh, they have like won all their legal and battles. They, they boast about it. <clears throat> oh yeah, wow! They made a comment um, about this, uh, and they put it up online, and they said some people think they can make a fast book by stealing our name and our reputation. They set up websites and companies using the name Easy or phonetic <laughs> versions of it, which can either pay a passing resemblance to an Easy Group company or be a direct copy. Sometimes these people ask us for money. Sometimes they just hope consumers think they are an Easy Group company and will part with their money. If you see a company that you think is disguising itself as an Easy Group company that is trying to piggyback off our brand in any way, then please help us to protect the consumer and the brand. It's like, why is this so like, like, like? Why are you being so strong army about this? It's Did, fucking. There's a tweet put up by, um, I think it was one of the members of Easy. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, this is the second part of the statement oh, now. So which good. It's so fucking good. It's like really violently brutal, and my internet won't load. I can read it if you wish. Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, this is the the Easy Group press release. Um, with reference to the brand thief, Mr. Matravers and his fellow band members, <laughs> who the front man of the band, yeah, 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 who have decided to use our brand Easy Life without permission. We have a long established record of legally stopping thieves from using <laughs> our brands, and I am confident we will stop Mr. Matravers. Now, this was preceded in the same tweet with a timeline of events oh by Easy Life, God. the band. 2015, Easy Life play first gig at the Bodega in Nottingham. No one was there, lol. 2017, Easy Life released the first single, Pockets. 2018, Easy Life signed to Island Records. 2021, Easy Life released debut album, Life's a Beach. 2022, Easy Jet owner, Easy Group applies for trademark application for Easy Life. See slide two. Sorry, who's the brand thief here? Now, wow. the only thing I would say, in defense of the massive corporation um, run by a vampire, <laughs> is that someone did put up a shot of like a t-shirt that they sell at their gigs, the band do, and they are using the like the oh no not no. only are, not only are they using the kind of the font and the kind of thing the t-shirt itself has like it looks like a desk like 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 a ticket and oh, like you're going no. for the tour Disaster. dates and it's like well you're kind of sorry guys yeah. you put fucked it a little bit but nonetheless they the, this shouldn't be happening yeah still also, like needlessly and unapologetically evil from like it's like they love how evil they're being they're which I happy. almost respect <laughs> Yeah, it's real Mr. Burns stuff. Yeah, it's like, like, yeah, like big time. Uh, a list of... Also, like, let's just be fair here. Easy Life is a shit name for a band. It's not great. No, and you can't use the name Easy. This is Dave Hanready of Easy Encore. Moving the show on <laughs> to the top five. Uh, diss tracks. Rudy, this was your selection. Adam has a primer, but before we get to that primer, um, this you chose this. You were supposed to actually be on back in August, but tragedy befell all of us in different ways, and <laughs> you didn't want to change it. You know, this has been locked in for a while. Why have you chosen this top five? Uh, good question. I just think it's. I think it 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 can create an, an interesting conversation in that I kind of grew up, like on like the family computer on YouTube, like just like searching diss tracks and like watching like little like YouTube documentaries about diss tracks and stuff. I was so interested in them, and they were all like rap and hip hop based. 
and uh, as are of my top five. But it's an interesting one in that, like, it's not just a, a, it is almost exclusively a rap thing, but like, it is interesting that, like, there would be some examples of, like, some pop stars, like, popping up with a, like, and, like, say Mariah Carey popped up with one, and you'd, like, it's, it's, it's a strange one in that, like, music is there to, like, to tell a story, and you have so many of these, like, pop stars and big acts who've had issues with each other who didn't reference it in song and I'm like it's just such a great chance to do so the the like I would much respect more much <laughs> respect more an artist who like put it in a song about someone instead of saying it in an interview because like if you're doing it with your art you're actually like putting your money where your mouth is essentially as opposed to just like making your like bland songs and then being like oh and I think he's shit or whatever like say for example uh Ma- like Maddie Healy in the 1975 often like criticize other Acts and stuff. Put it in your song then, big man. Put your money on your <laughs> Let's see what you've got. Okay, that's fair. I like that. Adam, um, kick us off. That was definitely a primer, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper and darker into the diss track history. So The history, if the you history. will. <laughs> yeah, nice. um, so the term was popularized by the hip-hop genre during the East Coast, West Coast beef era of the 1990s. Um, for those of you who don't know, that was Bad Boy Records of New York and um, kind of mainly Notorious B.I.G., um, who was represented by Bad Boy, feuding with um, Death Row Records on the uh, West Coast. So um, based in L.A., headed up by Shug Knight, and also uh, Tupac was probably at the forefront of that. Like, everyone knows all about that. We won't get into it. But um, the diss track actually spans a lot further back than that. So... Um, let's go all the way back to the year 1754 <laughs> a man by the name of Dr. Richard Shuckberg wrote a song by the name of Yankee Doodle uh, and believe it or not this is a song that we all know and we'll get into that in a minute but it was a song sung by the British troops to mock the American colonial soldiers with whom they served during the French and Indian War and I do have some audio I'm going to play it right now is it from 1754? <laughs> this is the original version of Yankee Doodle I don't know if it's the same recording from 1754 probably not but it is a very like kind of true to the traditional version obviously So we all might recognise that song. Do we recognise that song? Do we know where it's from? I don't know where it's from, but I absolutely recognise it. 90s kids, no? It's the Barney theme song, would you believe? Oh, God. Completely plagiarised. First of all, he's not a 90s kid. We've established this. I was born in the 90s. (sighs) I think he fits the bill, just barely. I'm a 90s kid, and I, I, I didn't like Barney. Uh, I did as a child, Same. and uh, when I listened to this song, he I was like, me out. "Oh, like, like yeah." Well, in fairness, he's a big pink purple dinosaur, so <laughs> how could he not? But um, and also, you know me, I'm a cynic. It was too nice. It was too like, let's be friends. I was like, "Fuck that!" Very much, let's be friends. Uh, but at, at, at a young age, you were like, like, like ten. Fuck friendship. I don't want friends with you, you big weird dinosaur. I'll tell you what, I don't want people in my life. <laughs> Um, so the lyrics are Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni I've no idea what it means um, I haven't done a massive deep dive into the <laughs> lyrical content there um, I'm I sure genius.com can help us out but it was actually it ended up being flipped around by the um, by the 1800s where um, American troops actually sang it as like a 
one of those songs to kind of like get them going like a, a one of those songs to get you pumped in the morning a la Richard Chambers yep. top five recently I don't think he listens to this in the morning I doubt, I doubt he does he and if he does runs. I'm going to ask why and to give an explainer please um, but since then the diss track has taken many forms and spanned across centuries for example um, Positively Fourth Street by show favourite Bob Dylan um, poked fun at the Dylanites who opposed the electric Dylan phase of the early 60s and then Too Many People was a song written by Paul McCartney about the Beatles breakup but mainly took aim at John Lennon and Yoko Ono and kind of said in not as many words, probably a few more words than that, but that that was the reason the band broke up. Um, there's far too many examples of diss tracks to get into, especially given the uh, subgenre of the sneak diss. Do we know what the sneak diss is? Yeah, uh, you'd see a lot more of that in like modern rap, I feel. Exactly, yes. So Bit of a Drake classic. Yeah. So the, subtweet in the form of a song. Exactly, that's exactly yeah. what it is. So it's like someone maybe speaking on a song or writing about um, a specific, not a specific thing necessarily, but like more of a broad kind of story at large with maybe a protagonist and an antagonist and not specifying who that is. But we have the fan bases to thank for doing the work there. I've got a word for that. Cowardice. <laughs> I completely agree. I really do. Like say Drake released a new song today and like reference, he like has one line in it and it's like, uh, it's like criticizing like the rap game in general and then Alder replies like who's he talking about here like is that about such and such and it's like well the fact that he didn't say means that we can't like deduce who it was which means he can't get any credit for like sneak dissing I'm sure we'll talk about Drake later on but in the oh, meantime we? <laughs> are we ready to kick this off? I'm ready to kick it off if you boys are yes well okay Let's how rock. do you want to play this do you want to go if you go first it means I go last would you rather start this thing or end this thing? I'd rather you finish it okay in that case, you're first up, and you know you you listen to the show. Yeah. Give us a bit of mystery. Don't just you know. Don't give it away. Out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's where my notes come in. Diss tracks, as I said, have kind of a steep history all across the world. Uh, I definitely grew up on like the U.S. rappers doing it, but there is uh, a long history of UK artists dissing each other, uh, and like the grime artists and that sort of stuff. Grime beefs have like um, um as long as grime has existed, there have been grime beefs. But this one is from. A man, a UK artist who has a reputation of being an extremely nice man, but uh, took a bit of time out of his day to be completely horrible back in 2020. Christmas, so why you love to talk about mum so much? So much. Where's yours? Where's yours? Let, let me just allow it. Let me just, let, let me just pause. pause. No, no, fuck that man, I got a done the virus. Sorry, Wiley, you should have been the one to guide us. But since you want to diss my mum so much, let's talk about why you moved your mum to Cyprus. That poor little woman was scared in the house car. You put her life in danger, you prick. You, bricks and shots just fly through your window. You couldn't be the person to save her, you prick. You prick. Instead of you to squeeze the pump, you said, your mum, you got to leave the country. I never want to hear you say freedom. Man, then let's go Cyprus and go free your mumsy. Got mumsy banged up abroad. Oh, oh, because her son was a fraud. fraud. Can't, can't, can't handle this, so she handles dick like I handle the war. I handle the war. Nothing ain't funny anymore. So that was Stormzy being extremely mean to Wiley back in 2020, as I said. Uh, an amazing video for that song, if you haven't seen it. It's him with like a joint and a cup of tea in like a dressing gown, just looking so casual while saying like the most mean things imaginable. Like, Obviously, that that clip was like quite nasty, but there's a line like that. What's comes the track again? Sorry, still disappointed. It's called, and it's called still disappointed because so Wiley had kind of made took taken some jabs at Stormzy, and this is kind of a uh, will be a recurring theme throughout my top five. Is I always respect it when the bigger artist kind of <laughs> punches down. It's the one <laughs> instance where punching down is good because like 
Stormzy has everything to lose there. Like, if Wiley does win this, and obviously there's no score, but like people do decide winners and losers. But if Wiley does win this, that's a dent in it for Stormzy. Whereas he, like, if he wins it, he's still just like a massive artist. There's no real like benefit for him, like even taking part. But uh, so he released disappointed. Wiley released a, a response and. Wiley, like there's rules in this, Wiley was like, oh no, his first one doesn't count because it was on a drill beat. Like everyone who knows uh, diss tracks in the UK knows you can't use a, dil- a drill beat. That's <laughs> cheating like because it sounds too good or whatever, which is just nonsense. So then within like 48 hours, I'm pretty sure Storms, he released still disappointed after disappointed and essentially just tore into him. The first diss track was about how Storms, he once beat up Wiley's brother uh, in front of Wiley. And the second one is about how People did something to Wiley's house and his mother had to flee to Cyprus, essentially. Jesus and, Christ. Uh, you know, you, you heard bits of it there, but one line in particular, he says, your dad can't defend your bro and you can't defend your mum. I wonder what she thinks. All the males in your family are weaklings. <laughs> if someone said to me, all the males in my family were weaklings, I mean, it might be true, but it would be upsetting. <laughs> like, how do you have Christmas dinner after that? Everyone's <laughs> just sitting around looking at each other like, oh, he's a weakling. I'm a weakling. We're all a bunch of weaklings. And I mean, uh, you know, like I say, I do kind of always respect the bigger artists for, for stepping down to do it because, like, it's not a big artist game. Like, he would have had probably, like, sponsors and advertisers and stuff being like don't get involved in that sort of thing like but he did he won Wiley is now like kind of faded into obscurity a bit he's like banned off most social media uh, yeah, big into like, conspiracy theories and big stuff, in, yeah, yeah and so uh, a clear win for Stormzy on that one yeah another clear win for Stormzy though uh, around this time maybe or slightly before I remember the uh, the Glastonbury headlining performance oh phenomenal yeah that was amazing like, that was like I, I remember watching that uh, with Richard Chambers when we were living together on like a Friday night and I was just like we both like both of us were just completely captivated by it it was like that rare thing I think when when it constantly comes through the TV screen like I mean like I, you feel I, like you're there almost yeah it just felt it did feel like it, like one of the better broadcasted things I've seen because I think you, you obviously look I know obvious statement alert but like you're going to miss something massive by not being in the same room but like some stuff does transcend and that performance was just career defining I thought I do think his recent material has been a bit weak though so do I, unfortunately, yeah. Um, it's it's definitely gotten worse, to be honest. He's in love or something. It's yeah, just a bit, and, uh, he's better with a bit of bite, you know? And a lot, a, lot of, a lot of God stuff. He's going down the route. My boy Chance the Rapper, once you start <laughs> singing and rapping about God and your, your love life. And I mean, Chance the Rapper, like, always talked about, like, deeper stuff than most rappers, but, like... Good lord, that last album was not great. No, it's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Right, um, for my number five, um, how do I follow this? Well, with something completely ridiculous. <laughs> Adam said I couldn't pick this. Yeah, I really tried to rule against this. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up, I was going to go with Mr. Writer by Stereophonics, which is about Kelly Jones <laughs> dissing journalists <laughs> for giving him a bad review. But I do, I do actually like that song. Um, but instead, I was like, you know what, Dave? You know who you are. Live your truth. And here's my number five. Cause you've been running from you like I got a disease. Do please your pay-per-view of that was a joke. You're avoiding Randy Savage because you know you can smoke. Come on, that phony fight the rock straight too fast. But when they challenge me to a real fight, he passed. I called him out, but the punk was scared to go. It was a charity event, but the hall didn't show. Hollywood hooked up, you're at the end of your rope. And I'ma kick you in the butt and wash your mouth out with soap. Cause like Randy Danger filled you get silver respect. So come on, Hulk, let's wreck so I can put you in check. Be a man, Hulk. Come on, don't be scared. You're running from macho, that's what I 
NATO wrote that hook. There's no way he didn't. <laughs> so, lads, professional wrestling is a, <laughs> is a complex game. This is uh, the late... Uh, great, you could say. Great in the ring, anyway. Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, the song is Be a Man. And as you can hear there, he's calling out Hulk Hogan. <laughs> they had a famous real life hatred of each other. You know, they were partners in the ring and then they broke up all the kind of stuff. But like, all, off screen, they, they hated each other. Like, they did not get on well at all. And Hogan, being Hogan, you know, Hulk Hogan, if you don't know, is like wrestling is greatest liar. Like, the shit this man says. He's Donald Trump levels of just like, we'll just open his mouth and say things that have no actual connection to the real world. Hogan, like in the years after Macho Man's death, would just be like, you know, oh, me and me and Macho were like best friends. It's like, no, you weren't. He hated you. <laughs> like, it's like, so this um, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, you know, multi talented, as you might say, uh, he said that his feud with Hogan uh, was genuine and that his entry into music was earnest. I'm just trying to have fun, but I can't stress enough that this isn't a novelty act, said Macho Man Randy Savage about his music career. I'm in this for the long haul. <laughs> Which uh, it was not the case. Did you know that this th- th- this is from a full album, and the album was also called Be a Man. Came out in two thousand three, and this year there was it was released as a vinyl as a record store day exclusive. Adam, I actually would probably buy that. Yeah, yeah, a nice purple one. How many copies do you think this album sold, Rudy? Oh, I have no. I honestly wouldn't even know where to start. Two thousand three, right? So his his day in the sun as a wrestler is long. Like he was like an eighties, nineties guy. Yeah, he was. Like and this is him wrestling. getting into battle rap. And this, you know, there's a line in this song about him being in Spider Man. You might remember him from Spider Man, everybody. Oh yeah, Bonesaw McGraw. Bonesaw McGraw. <laughs> uh, who, who in that film? And I pointed this out, and I'll point it out again. He is the victim of a homophobic slur aimed at him by Spider-Man himself. Yeah. Do you remember that? When he's like, nice costume, your husband get it for you? Oof. And it's like, that's our hero, everybody. This is Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Is it the first Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah. The first he, Spider-Man. he wrestles yeah. them in the cage. Yeah, he's I do like, remember. In the homemade outfit. Yeah. yeah. And he's Great like, movie. I got you for three minutes. <laughs> that's my bad Macho Man impression. Um, and I mean, three minutes of, three minutes of break time. <laughs> and then he says, like, that's, you know, he's, he's like, that's a nice suit your husband get it for you. And it's like, People cheering in the cinema. Yeah, <laughs> God, imagine that now. And I was like, no need for that, Peter Parker. <laughs> grow up. Um, but yeah, how many copies do you think this sold, guys? In a, you know, a, I don't know if this is US or worldwide, but... Less than 10,000. I was going to say 50,000. It's 15,000. 15,000 15, macho maniacs out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it didn't do very well. Uh, there are 14 tracks on the album, would you believe? That's a lot. Do you want some of the titles? Yeah. Uh, intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that caught me just in the right spot. That's perfect. Followed by I'm back. Then you have Or Are You Ready? <laughs> Hit the floor. Let's get it on, which I don't think <laughs> is a Marvin Gaye cover. To what you think it refers a sensitive to. Marvin Gaye cover. Remember me. <laughs> Tear it up. Macho Thang. <laughs> <laughs> Be a man. He drops this nine tracks in. This is a confident fellow. Get back. Feel the madness. What's that all about? Gonna be trouble and perfect friend. And the album is Get Back. No, the album's Be a Man. The song is Be a Man. Oh yes, it yeah. must be the only, the only album ever like with the diss track as the name of the album. <laughs> normally, that's not the selling. Normally, they don't even make it onto albums. Yeah, Hulk Hogan did not respond with the diss track, but like I said, he has in fact lied about their relationship since, revisionist since, the, since the man's death. Who's not here to defend himself? I anymore. saw uh, it's the ultimate diss track, if you I ask me. I Think there's a Twitter account dedicated to Hulk Hogan's lies? If not, I there saw is. one, yeah, and it was there. like he claimed to have wrestled over 500 matches one year. Yeah, because. Uh, 
yeah. the time difference between him flying to and from Japan. Japan. <laughs> <laughs> he was gaining a day, essentially. It is, he is unbelievable. He claimed that, yeah, like he like, he body slammed Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3 and it, it, every time Hogan tells the story, like Andre gains an extra hundred pounds and he's like, you know, he died a few days later. No, he died about a year or two later. Like, it's just, <laughs> like he will, he lies about everything. I think I've said this before, but like one last thing about it. When I worked in the bookstore, I remember like picking up, uh, I think it was called Hulk Still Rules and it was like the second autobiography or something. And the first page of this autobiography that I read, Hulk Hogan's talking about, he, he's down in his luck, you know, um, his son was involved in a horrible car accident that fucked someone up his daughter doesn't want to talk to him his wife has left him and he's talking about how he's miserable he's like standing there in his bathroom looking into the mirror with a gun in his hand <laughs> this is Hulk Hogan right and he's like he's like my life was over blah 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 and he goes I pressed the steel against my temple or whatever and he goes and I said do it Hulk and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. If you were going to blow your brains out, you would not refer to yourself as your fake wrestling name. <laughs> <laughs> like, your name is Terry. Oh, anyway, that's my number five. I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. Serious choices from here on in. Really. Well, yeah, I've been serious throughout, but this next guy... Is that's it, your rap name, isn't it? Serious throughout. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty... T-H-R-U. Dollar signs on the S's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, this guy uh, talking about like serious, he, he he can be serious and he can be quite silly at times. This is him being serious and I couldn't really do a, a, a diss track top five without mentioning this guy. He's arguably the best ever at them. He's definitely never had like a loss. Like I say, there's no record of these things, but I mean, people know. And this is one of his his many excellent pieces of Slap some nasty work. Well, she can't sue you. She wouldn't get a buck out of you because you broke his fucking suck. You're a fucking choke if you was really selling coke. Well, then what the fuck you stop for, dummy? If you slew some crack, you'd make a lot more money than you do from rap. You'll never have no security. You'll never be famous. you never know what it's like to be rich. Like the bitch, ain't it, Raymond? Here, let me break this shit down in layman's terms for you just to make sure that you can understand it. Cannabis ain't using too many complicated fucking words for you Yeah, let me slow it down for you So that you can understand if I say it slower Let it go, dog, it's over I don't wanna be like this And now, Rudy gets to be the guy at the party Who corners someone and tells them just how good Eminem is <laughs> See, that's, I hate that it's now like embarrassing to like Eminem thing. What track is this, sorry? It's called Nail in the Coffin right. A diss track towards a guy called Benzino Ray Benzino, I think was his name He was like the owner of a hip-hop magazine called The Source or the Yeah, The Source And the reason this diss track came out was because that magazine They used to like judge albums based on like microphones so like out of five mics and they gave one of Eminem's album four instead of five <laughs> and Eminem was like fuck this that is not acceptable after giving some of them previously five yeah. he gave I think it was he had a real Kelly Jones from Stereophonics reaction to this <laughs> yeah that's what everyone compares this track to but uh, yeah so he just flipped out uh, he, he made some sort of comment he said he wouldn't do any work with that magazine going forward that's pathetic yeah i see i think there was also Big, tough guy that magazine also didn't gave a bad review to or did give a bad review to eight mile which he wasn't pleased about so he was like it's this only is, okay uh yeah but i mean it won an oscar and it's a hip-hop based magazine so like if they're gonna call any hip-hop movies good it has to be eight mile realistically no i mean you know you're entitled to think that he took it too far he, he almost definitely did but uh, <laughs> I kind of, again, I, I just, it's similar to the Stormzy thing. I just love that he was like, 
so willing. Like, I have never heard of this Ray Benzino man before or since this song. Yeah, Eminem's like, I will dedicate, like, me being, like, the biggest artist in the world and, like, one of the biggest artists of all time, happily dedicate a full song to him. And this is, like, one of three songs where he just goes in on him for being, like, old and a failed rapper and stuff. And it's just, it, it's brutal, but it's just... We're getting four out of five, eight out of ten. Yeah, like an extremely good rating. And I think <laughs> I think the the thing I I read said that he had given five in the past. So it's not like he was always a, a hater. That's how it works. It's a different <laughs> album. No, but that's what I'm saying. He's not like he always judged him badly. In the past, he had been quite kind. You'd think Eminem could have been like, oh, yeah. ah, I'll take yeah, a little yeah. four out of five this time. But no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Just tore into him. Your man responded, I mean... With the diss track? Yeah, they're... they're like, because he was a, was a rapper okay, at one right. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they're just terrible pieces of music. He's, he's just awful. And then like, sometimes Eminem would like get his like friends to gang up on rapper so like like he's beefed with like Ja Rule Mariah Carey Vanilla Ice Machine Nick Cannon, Gun Kelly MGK most recently Will Smith famously with one line on uh, what song is it my name is maybe uh, where he says Will Smith don't got a cuss in his raps to sell records well I do so fuck him and fuck you see, too that's when, see that's when I was like I, I was there I was there when it happened yeah. you know I was there when that song came along and I was like, what? Is, this is unbelievable. And I was big into him for the first two albums. I know there's an album before, but you know, the one that broke him out, like, you know. The Marshall Miles LP is like the real first one. There was some underground one. I forgot Infinite, I think it was called. That's exactly And then, yeah, called. you have like Marshall Miles LP and the Slim Shady, or Slim Shady first, then Marshall Miles. But I was, I was big into those and particularly the second one. Um, that was my kind of, that was I my, think that's the one that got the four mics. So okay. maybe he that, has a point. That was my love affair with Eminem. Um, but you were saying, yeah, it's hard out here to be an Eminem fan. It is. And like, he has been bad for quite some time. Uh, I think he like shares the exact same career path as like the Simpsons in that like was once like the best thing around and so new and refreshing. And I don't think the new stuff should take away from the old stuff. Like, I don't think seasons like one through 10 of the Simpsons are bad because their new stuff is bad. But like, Eminem's last few albums have been really bad. But, but you, think, I, you think it has tainted the career overall? I don't know. See, like it's you're not gonna. It's it's not the same as comparing The Simpsons because like people do judge artists in a different way. I think it probably has, especially because there's like a constant like top five debate in the hip hop community and like who's top five, who's the goat, etc. He definitely can't be in like the goat conversation and. They're probably had he gone about his career differently, I think he definitely could be like even like. If you ask like a lot of people who are in most people's top fives for their top fives, Eminem would feature in a lot of them because I think like in terms of like the skill of rapping and writing and stuff, he is undeniably like one of the best. But like he's just, I think he's just kind of past it. He's like some of the stuff he says now is very just like old man yells at cloud sort of thing. Like he, he's he's not very cool anymore, and he once was really cool. Hey, what about that Venom song? We all enjoy oh, that. No. <laughs> We don't talk about that. We don't talk about Venom. The streets will never forget. <laughs> he said nothing for that, that whole song. <laughs> yeah, just Venom in various different Venom. ways. Yeah, yeah. What a movie. He said what it was like a motorbike starting up. <laughs> I mean, his physical ability has always been pretty tremendous. You know, like he can do things that very people can do. Yeah. But as a as a performer, as an entertainer, I kind of lost focus. But you think if you're on if you're on his bad side and he writes a diss track about you, it's probably going to kick the fuck out of you? Yeah, like I, he doesn't even have anyone who's nearly beaten him. The closest anyone has come to like, like making it look in any respectable was Mariah Carey because she released like a hilarious "Why Are You So Obsessed with Me" song, <laughs> which is very hard to come back from. Like if if you're a rapper and you keep like making these like lewd comments about 
uh, like a pop star who you've also had some sort of relationship with, the w- the right way to respond to that is leave me alone, you big freak. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? Which is exactly what you did. So that like might be his only loss. But like, even let's say like the fact that like recently Machine Gun Kelly like tried to do something that's like, no, you're just awful. Like, <laughs> I, it would have been interesting if any of the like the big dogs ever like stepped to him. But I I also think that there's a pretty good reason why that didn't happen, and it's because they were probably pretty afraid. Like he's one of few people who like, there are actual like video evidence of him doing like live freestyle rap battles. Like he did a thing called the Rap Olympics that he won. I think he did something called the WRCs, the World Rap Championship, which he won. So like, he's one of few people who can like, who like say, while like Drake, for example, has released diss tracks. There's no evidence of Drake being like on street corners up against another guy like rapping in each other's faces and that there like is a difference improv there. in the moment kind yeah, of and, yeah and I think Eminem needs he needs to be in this list for that reason alone the fact that he has that CV alright um, my number four is uh, I've forgotten Adam Player let's find out what it is one big house and not another nigga in sight I started up with too much cargo drop four niggas now I'm making all the dough white man just fooling the niggas with attitudes who you fooling y'all niggas just phony I put my mama and my dad homes Yellow boys on your team so you're losing Hey yo Drake, stick to producing Calling me on a what you Benedict Easy E saw your ass and went in it quick You got jealous when I got my own company But I'm a man So yes, uh, I'd only forgotten the order I hadn't forgotten the song I'm not that unprepared <laughs> I'm not being that insulting to you Rudy This was, uh, this is of course No Vaseline No Vaseline by Ice Cube And it's his post-NWA Fuck you guys song And it's pretty incredible I will say though there We heard that snippet and for me like there's lots of problematic lyrics in this and we'll get to that oh the song is a walking cancellation the like. song title is <laughs> problematic <laughs> uh, but it's the production of it is irresistible if you'll bear with me but I will say my favourite line in this is not any of the X-rated stuff it's when he's like yo Dre stick to producing I love, I'm just like that's just such a little pat on the head kind of like you're not cut out to be a rapper <laughs> yeah, stay in the studio it's kicking someone in the ankle so hard that they can't do anything you know <laughs> yeah, <what I> mean? <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it it's like it, the most the most slight of digs, you know. Yeah, because the fact that he's telling him to do something else implies he really means it. He's like, no, you could, you're good at that. Stick with that. Yeah. So obviously, NWA, you know, maybe the greatest hip hop group ever. Certainly one of them. Yeah. In I terms think of influence, and, first yeah. album I ever bought was Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, it's That's incredible. A very solid first album. I I will hang on that fact for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's my, my only credibility fact. First CD I bought was. Uh, Nislopey JCB song oh, cla- it's basically the same classic. thing <laughs> like, it's, it's basically the same <laughs> yeah anyway uh, Ice Cube left the group in acrimony of course uh, he was disagreeing with the direction of the outfit and he hated the manager Jerry Heller uh, who really comes under fire in this one in ways that are not okay but we'll get to that um, essentially he's gone after everybody He's going after every member. Like every member of the group gets their own little moment in the sun here. Both barrels, like <laughs> and Jerry Heller, the aforementioned Jerry Heller manager, really gets it as well. So, like, there is there's homophobic slurs in this. There's anti-Semitic slurs in this, and much like the recent episode that we did about thrash metal, I don't want to endorse anything that is genuinely bad. I think that this song can't be ignored, though, for its time, yeah. its place in the culture, what it did for Ice Cube as an artist, and the fact that, yes, I know I sound ridiculous here, but if you strip away the bad parts, the construction of the song is fucking amazing. He sounds incredible on it. And I remember when I went to see Straight Outta Compton, the movie, when it came out, which I don't think is that good. Um, it's fine. It's worth a watch if you're a rap fan, I think. It's worth a watch, yeah. absolutely, but I just don't think it's that 
good. Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., the son of Ice Cube, who looks exactly like him, who plays him in the movie. Sounds exactly like him. I'm a huge fan of him, by the way. Very good. I really like him on screen. He seems like a very interesting, cool guy. He's a big wrestling fan. I feel like his Twitter account is like dedicated to wrestling. And basketball. That's it. Yeah. He's also in Den of Thieves, which I adore. Um, I love O'Shea Jackson Jr. And I would love to have him on the podcast anytime. (laughs) So anyway, but that scene where he records this, I remember sitting in Cineworld and that came on. And obviously every time a track came on, on those speakers, you were like, holy shit, this is so much fun. But when that came on, I was like, I felt like getting up and turning around and being like, you guys hear this? I was just like, like, this is so good. Like, I was like, unbelievable. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. But yes, we can't get past the lyrics. They're not, they're not nice, Rudy. What do you, what do you think? No, they're not nice. But I think we were playing with fire with this top five, like the, the subject matter we chose was essentially top five times people were really, really mean to each other. And, you know, you go back to the 90s and the noughties and people were mean to each other in different ways than you're allowed to be mean. Oh, yeah, we weren't weren't so enlightened at all. Um, NWA never responded to this song and broke up (coughs) shortly after the release. I don't think it was because of the song. I think it was the final blow. It it (laughs) was the haymaker that made them hit the It's not a great look, though, is it, to not reply to the song and then quickly break up? No, it's really bad. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. The fact that none of them did is, is... so again, he was criticized though uh, for very correct reasons. Um, the Los Angeles Jewish Human Rights Organization, the Simon Weisenthal Center, uh, criticized Rabbi Abraham Cooper criticized the implied death threat against Jerry Heller in the lyrics, and he said, "We're not asking Ice Cube to mask the reality of the streets. By all means, flag the social problems, but don't exploit them by turning a professional spat between a former manager and an artist into a racial dispute." Very reasonable, extremely. Yeah. And do you know what? The phrasing of that statement is absolutely perfect. It's way more reasonable than I thought it was going to be yeah. back then as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like, they were. Like, like, fucking ban NWA. No, yeah, oh my God, they're trying to corrupt our children. You know? and there's like footage of that. There's like footage of these press conferences. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that, that's extremely erudite and it's it's, meeting, it's it's meeting the culture. It's meeting two cultures. It's trying to be like, look, come on. There's just, there's no need for that. No need for that. Yeah, um, exactly. However, Ice Cube did say, it's wrong for the rabbi to call me anti-Semitic. I respect Jewish people because they're unified. I wish black people were as unified. Now listen, I'm not fucking touching any of this because I'm a very white man. But obviously, yes, anti-Semitic slurs, homophobic slurs, not good. But again, it comes with the territory in this kind of time period and this kind of genre and this particular area of the world. You can't... I don't think that the song should be cancelled, to use that stupid word. I don't think that the song should be, you know, give me a cleaner version of it. This is what the guy was going through at the time. These are the points he was making. Did he make them perfectly? No. But is the statement as a whole, you know, you know it's coming... It's a thing of invective and it's meant to be this kind of, you know, summation of everything. It's very imperfect. And, you know, it's interesting because, like, it still comes up today, of course, as it should. But, and this is really annoying because we've talked to death on the show about Kanye West and how much he's given us, but obviously where we are at with him now. In 2022, Kanye West said in an interview that Ice Cube's lyrics on this song had really influenced him to, quote, get on this anti-Semite vibe. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's, that, like, that's a prime example of Kanye using that as a vehicle. and Or, like, a fucking step in stone and like it, it, like that's I don't think that's true at all yeah. I really do. I well, can't Ice Cube buy into responded that. to it and he said on Twitter, uh, I don't know what Ye meant by his statements. You're going to have to ask him. I didn't put the batteries in his back. Please leave my name out of all the anti Semitic talk. I'm not anti Semitic and I never have been. Now, of course, people will take issue with the never have been area, but like, I don't know. I'm not here. I didn't write the fucking song. You know, I love a lot about it and there's stuff in it that you can't endorse. But I think, you know, as a statement, as a diss track, more than fits the bill. 
Oh, 100%. This is me yeah. desperately trying to sign this off and not sound, you know, I don't know. It's tricky, you know, and it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not a good look in a lot of respects. Maybe I shouldn't have picked it. I don't know. No, I think you're well within your rights. I think, like, as, as you've qualified enough that you think that some of it is deplorable, but, like, you, when when talking, like, as in, it, it, it exists and it is an iconic diss track. There, you know, there's no point in denying it or pretending that it, it, it didn't exist. It doesn't mean you're endorsing what he's saying. No, it's a moment in time, like, and, and, yeah, it is that thing of, like, you know, I've probably overqualified it, but, you know, would rather be, you know, just very clear that, you know, I don't go around singing some of these lyrics, <laughs> as you shouldn't in, in a lot of hip-hop cases if you're a white man. Anyway, that was my number four. Let's hastily move on. Um, yeah, let's move on to my number three. Uh, going from one of, like, the best-known diss tracks ever with your pick to one that I'm certain that most people who listen to this will not know. Um, but with regards to like lyricism and clever lines, I really don't think there is a diss track I've ever heard that is as good as this. So take it away. Packs, 50-50s, a rack of rack teams 12-D-12s, 5 times Jurassic 5 And they still won't shift me I'm 50 with a bullets in him Shady with a mushies in him Big when Puff was with him Pack when Junk was with him Kurt Cobain, Axel Rose when the drugs was in him Pimp C when he sipped lean and six cups was in him And calm as a motherfucker So I stay calm as a motherfucker Fuck your pride, you're telling tales When you're saying you're the main man You're lying there Pride tales main way So that one is probably gonna need some explaining That's uh, UK artist called Shadi Hara from Manchester. He is probably the best known battle rapper from the UK and that was a diss track aimed at the second most well known battle rapper from the UK called Lunar C. He might well be actually number one. Like They have always been like one and two and for like Maybe 10 years, there's always been talk like they like if you have a passing interest in battle rap, you will have been like, oh, did they ever go against each other at any point? And for whatever reason, they just didn't. Uh, you know, it would have cost a lot to put together. And it's a scene that doesn't have a lot of money. Dave, go. give me the name of this guy again and the track. Because this, this is brand new to me. So. Yeah, I would imagine. And for most of the listeners, that was Shoddy Horror. And the diss track was called Therapy. It was like seven minutes long. Uh fully just aimed at, at that other guy, Lunacy, who was also really good. But so the way, it, like there was a, a big battle rap league in the UK, maybe like it started getting big about 15 years ago, which is when I started watching it. They then had an Irish division that, you know, my friends showed me when I was like 12 and I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing in the world. I've been fairly obsessed with it ever since. But during that point, there were like two kind of guys who were like out in front and they would get like, 10 times the views on these YouTube videos than compared to everyone else. They were just like, you know, they had a bigger fan base. They had like a music, they had like big songs and stuff. And unfortunately, their like success in music is the reason why they never actually like had a live rap battle in that like when one of them was doing really well music wise, the other was in like rap battle mode and vice versa. So it just, the stars never aligned. And, you know, unfortunately... The problem with these live rap battles that I love so much are, say for example, if 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 you're either of these guys and you're being offered, I don't know, I'm going to pick 10 grand to do it, which I think is, is probably about right. You would rehearse like three rounds of three minutes worth of, of material that is specific to this one person that you can only use once in your life compared to if that guy wrote that much worth of music and he goes touring, he can just rap those songs, you know, 
a million times and I want to get tired of them. So it's not a smart investment to be a rap battler, especially when you have some sort of like fan base outside of, of the, the small community that it is. Can I ask my, you know, ignorant, not all that up on rap battle question then? Absolutely. Does that mean that if you are in that scene that it's more real? That's what it's probably a bit of a purist. It's yeah, massively it, yeah. like, and if someone does make it and then like doesn't come back at any point, they're like, oh, forget that guy. Luckily, the people who do like make it, so to speak, and by make it, I just mean like have a career in music, which I mean is making it, but like they're not like in a conventional sense. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like most of them are quite like generous and like come back and like will will have some sort of involvement with the scene because so many of them will have got their break from it. Like you know, it gives you like if you're just like a budding artist you can essentially like guarantee yourself a venue filled with like 250 people to perform in front of, which like is not to be sneezed at, like, cause there is a loyal, but small fan base, but, but small, yeah, very small and getting smaller. But this, this song in particular was from the, the, one of the biggest stars that the, the scene ever had taking aim at another one. Unfortunately, they never, they never faced off. The other guy, Lunacy, never applied, but if we're talking about this song in general, I really don't think there is a, a a piece of music that is like as bar heavy. You know, it's just seven minutes of him just with the cleverest wordplay I think I've ever heard. Yeah, what was that line that you liked we heard in the clip there? there was uh, it's so simple. He says, calm as a motherfucker, so I stay calm as a motherfucker. And it works so well in his Manchester accent, <laughs> which is genius. But like the start of that clip is him like listing like a load of rappers that you would need on your side to beat him. And it's just so intelligent. Like he's like, you'd need a bigger biggie, 3,000 Andre, 3,000s, two Tupacs, 50-50s, a rack of Rakims and so on. Like it's just... Yeah, five Jurassic Five. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just outrageous levels of intelligence to come up with that. Unbelievable. But uh, yeah, I, I felt I couldn't as much as no one will have heard of it. I couldn't not mention it. So lastly, I guess because like I did bill you at the top of the show is this, and you are talking about it now. But like, what is it about the battle rap scene? And you're, and you're saying it's getting smaller. That's kind of sad to hear. But like, like what is it that that draw, like, keeps you in it? Because obviously you stumbled upon it at a young age. But you know, I think you've 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 reported on it. You've participated. You know, you've talked about it. You're here talking about it now. So like, is it a dying subculture or is it a subculture that needs like like what is it about it that really keeps you in? I think it's it's a subculture that is maybe dying but will definitely never die in that the like I say the fans that do exist are so loyal like most so there's one league in the UK now primarily called Premier Battles they would probably have like an event in England per month and there would never be less than like 150 to 200 people in at those venues it feels like it's dying because like back in the day they used to get like millions or like hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube and stuff but the world just essentially moved on I think um like some people would argue that like uh, people are more like PC now and they don't want to see that sort of content in anymore. But I really don't buy into that. Like as much as you you might think that something like rap battling would feature like loads of like inappropriate content, it really doesn't. It's it's always had a very strange way of like self-policing itself where there's never like, there are no rules in that like, there's nothing like at the start of it where it's like, okay, you can't say this now and you can't say this. But what this like... The way it's always been is that like you can say whatever you want, but you absolutely have to deal with the consequences of saying whatever. So there's been instances of people taking it too far and being like banned from the leagues or like just essentially not being asked back or being punched in the face and stuff. <laughs> so like there are like it, it's if you ask me why I'm still so obsessed with it, I really don't know. I do think it's like the the purest form of lyricism that exists. And that's kind of why I listen to music. I know in the past I've talked to you and you said li- the lyrics te- often come second to you yeah, in a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, and I'm sure probably the same for you, Adam, like from a producer's perspective. But like when I hear a song, I definitely hear the lyrics first and whatever is behind it second. And then like if you strip that back and you've just got two guys coming up with like the cleverest stuff they can say to each other in a mean way, it's just it's just brilliant. And I would recommend anyone to to tune in. It's not going to be everyone's buzz. It can be a bit jarring at times. Uh, there's a lot of in-jokes, which I think is the most damaging thing to the scene in that like, you know, I've brought my girlfriend, I've brought friends to events and like sometimes they love it and sometimes they're like, I didn't, like he just spent like three minutes talking about what that guy did the last time he was here and I wasn't here for that. So yeah, that yeah. doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me. So, I, you know, you're not going to love it, but if, if if one person out there listens and watches a rap battle tonight and loves it, I've done my job. Excellent. Uh, coming to a live line phone in near you, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure they've done a battle rap episode on there. If it ever got big enough, that would be what happened. So. Yeah. Protect Touch my, what it does happen. Think of the children. Uh, right. Uh, number three for me, we're going to go to a totally different genre because I want to have a few, you know, I guess like pop or different editions. So uh, hit me with the first one, please, Adam. Start by saying, can I just start by saying those fucking drums? Beautiful. Incredible. Beautiful. We're going all the way back to 1972. They don't make them one. like that anymore, Dave. <laughs> That's because it's from 1972. I, I almost went into Jack Rayner in like Sing Street and also Flora and Sun mode, where he's like, 1972. Uh, this is Carly Simon, <laughs> You're So Vain. But yeah, sorry. Speaking of, let's just derail for a second. Seen this argument about the whole Eve Houston playing working class thing and everyone giving out. Uh, I've seen that movie, Flora and Sun, that new one. It's not great, but I will say there's one very good gag in it and it's Jack Rayner, like, as a failed musician. And he's watching. He seems to just like have he's typecast. <laughs> yeah, he's got the very typecast. He's watching like um, his music video that he made with his old band, like with his son, while he's like smoking a joint. And it's clearly a piss take of the man who can't be moved by the script. Oh, it's no way! Astonishing. Like it's a very very funny like bit where like he's watching the video and he's like they're like he's got like the beanie hat and like they're on this kind of side street in what's meant to be New York and like. The kid is like, like, like he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes. How much thing that cost to film? He goes two grand. The record label guy was like, he goes, he goes, he goes. Look at all those crane shots. And then like the kids, like he goes, he goes. Is that in America? And he goes, looks like it, doesn't it? And he goes, shot it around Drimna. Like it's a genuinely good gag. Like he's holding, like there's some. He's holding a woman in his arms, and she just disappears. Like it's it's incredible. It was perfectly pitched. Cinema also perfectly pitched. The work of Carly Simon. Am I right? So this is. Uh, one of the greatest diss tracks of all time, really. Um, Rudy, are you familiar with the song? Yeah, I love it, but I don't know who it's who it's against. So well, to speak. this is the thing: a lot of people didn't for a long time, and there's still debate about it. But um, theories, it's the sneak diss, everybody. <laughs> it it was the sneak diss. Um, it's a critical profile of a self-absorbed lover about whom Simon asserts, as you heard there, you're Sylvain, you probably think the song is about you, which you got to say is a great, great you, line. Th- th- that's like what was that analogy you used earlier on getting kicked in the ankles. It's like getting kicked in the ankle so hard you can't do anything. There's no coming it. back from it. I remember like when I worked in Hot Press, like um, one of my bosses said to me, you're very defensive. And I was like, I can't reply to that. <laughs> no, if I'm I, not. If, yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing 
I can say. <laughs> like, Sorry, it took me a minute. There. Yeah, I was like, that's the greatest checkmate of all time. <laughs> like, I was negged so hard in that moment. You're very defensive. And I'm like, uh, fuck. Anyway, um, this song, which is amazing, it refers to three men, only one of whom she has named publicly, because, like, they were like, who's it about? But this, this was a real proper, like, you know, if this song, you know, if you had, like, you know, podcasts or Netflix documentaries back in the 70s, there'd be one about this. Like, you know, who is it about? Um, apparently, it was originally titled Bless You, Ben. Uh, she didn't like the lyrics and put it away uh, until she attended a party one night when a famous guest appeared. Uh, essentially, it's about Warren Beatty, everybody. It's about Warren Beatty, the American actor Warren Beatty. That's the, uh, that appears to be the, uh, people thought it was about Mick Jagger, you know. Um, people thought it was. They probably thought it was. <laughs> people thought it was about James Taylor. You probably thought it was. David Bowie. <laughs> Wow. David Cassidy, Cat Stevens. And so, yeah, it is that thing. I mean, I wonder though, yeah, apparently it's about Warren Beatty. Like, I mean, like she said in an interview, I think in 2015, like, you know, that he's definitely part of it. But, you know, I'm not giving away the full game. But, you know, the, the money's on Warren Beatty, um, playboy actor that he was back in the day. But, like, I, you got to wonder though, like, would you be more offended if you found out that it wasn't actually about you? You know, like, I mean, surely the initial, the initial, the trick of this is that the initial thing is that you're like, hey, don't fucking write that about me. How dare you? But then you're like, but wait a minute. It's about Warren Beatty? I thought, I thought it was about me. See, there's no winners here. You'd be furious. Yeah. No, no, there is a winner, and her name is Carly Simon. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah, but like from the perspective of like, you know, who it's written about or not written about, there is no winners because like you say, is it worse? Probably worse if you think, and then like you say to Carly Simon as one of her former lovers, you know. <laughs> hello, I'm one of your former but, lovers. But, hello, remember me, Carly Simon? Remember um, me, Macho Man? <laughs> <laughs> Um, to but, my knowledge, there was no relationship between Kyle Simon and Matchman. Right? Well, you go up to her and you're like, uh, you know, you allude to the fact is like, you know, whatever about that. Uh, it's not about you. Yeah, if you're like, can, yeah. I have, can, oh. I have, can I have a quiet word with you? Like, you know, I, 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 I appreciate that you're doing your art and you're getting your name out there and everything. And, you know, we had something special, but like, you know, maybe, maybe I could have treated you better. This song, like, it's kind of giving me a bit of a bad approach, you know. And then she's like, what, what are you talking about? So well, would you rather it's fucking if, nothing to do with you, pal? If you heard tomorrow that your ex released a song like about. Me. A failed, no, not even so, like a failed relationship. Would you rather it was or wasn't? Would you be more insulted if it was or wasn't about you? It would depend oh. on the specifics, I suppose. But I think, yeah, I, I think the ego would go from one form of bruise to a real proper, like, villain origin story. <laughs> if you genuinely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am going to become the Jonker, the Japester, if you will. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if I initially was like, oh, I'm so caught up about this, how dare she? And then it was like, oh, no, wait a minute, it's about her other ex. That would, no, that, that would break you even, even worse, I think. Yeah. I think if it's not about you, it's going to hurt more. It's yeah. much like... Especially <laughs> if you hear it from the horse's mouth it's, uh, you know uh, and you hear it, they're like, nah, it's also not. it's yeah. an amazing song yeah, like, even yeah, on a surface level you're yeah, like, yeah, you're like I'd love to, like, yeah I'd take it if this song was written about me you kidding me <laughs> plus it's, it's kind of good pure there'd be people who are like oh he's dangerous <laughs> he's gonna that's not good he's gonna fuck me up <laughs> that's, um, not, that's not good pure it's kind of like uh, Gabriel Byrne and The Usual Suspects which I rewatched recently Saw that. A film uh, with a cancelled director and a cancelled actor. <laughs> it's getting harder to watch that movie. Who's the director? Brian Singer. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Um, I rewatched it there at the weekend. It's a very solid film. But like the whole story goes that Gabriel Byrne thought he was actually Kaiser Soze. Spoilers <laughs> for a film from 28 years ago. Um, and apparently at the premiere he like shoved the director against the wall and was like, I thought I was fucking Kaiser Soze. And he was furious that he wasn't. Oh, Didn't no. shove him hard enough, if you ask me. He told all his friends and family definitely that he was the big bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Then. 
it's actually great because like director said it's not about you mate <laughs> it's great because like Gabriel <laughs> yeah. G- 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 Byrne like goes full Gabriel Byrne a couple times in that movie like it, it gets really Irish like like at the start of it he's like well 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 and he's like <laughs> he's like Kaiser <laughs> it's fucking great uh, anyway that's uh, my number three the usual suspects now uh, you're so vain by Carly Simon Rudy can we have your next one please yeah absolutely uh, this comes from in my opinion one of the most underrated rappers of the past 10 years or so and I think when people talk about like the best of this generation, he's often left out of top threes and top fives and stuff. And here he is tearing into someone who's definitely in those top threes and top fives and someone who is, you know, has a case for being one of the best artists of all time. But he gets cut down to size pretty well here. Go in charge of every move, he's a star. And we can't look away due to the days that he caught our hearts. He's falling apart, but we deny it. Justifying a half-assed shit he dropped, we always buy it. When he tell us he a genius, but it's clearer lately. It's been hard for him to look into the mirror lately. There was a time when this nigga was my hero, maybe. That's the reason why his fall from grace is hard to take. Cause I believed him when he said his shit was pure, ain't he? The type of nigga swear he real, but all around us fake. The women, the dick riders, you know the yes men. Nobody with the balls to say something to contest them. So he grows out of control. Until the person that he truly was all along is starting to show. Damn, wonder what happened. Maybe that was J. Cole with False Prophets. Uh, uh, and I know I said earlier I'm not t- too fond of the sneak diss and I'd rather be, you know, very blatant. But while he doesn't say Kanye West's name there, that is so it's blatantly. So obvious. You know, it's once so you have obvious. the line, like, he thinks he's a genius. That was Kanye's whole shtick at that point about being like a creative genius and stuff. And I think the reason I love that verse so much is because you couldn't, if I could say something to Kanye West, it would be mostly what is said there. Like, you used to be so good. I'm convinced you're not the person that you used to be. I used to idolize you and you've just gone insane and I don't know what it is, if it's the people around you or if the industry has just changed you, but you aren't the person you think you are anymore and you're not the person that I kind of respect anymore, which is just so, like, it's not him coming out and saying, like, you're a bitch and you're this and you're that. It's him saying, you know, cop onto yourself. You dropped the ball. You dropped the ball and you've let me down and you've let a lot of other people down. And J. Cole has, like sneak dissed Kanye West uh, you know a few times like he said stuff about like him selling out to sell sneakers and stuff but like that I think is the most cutting one where he's just like like even the last line of that verse is something like while the world's egging him on I'm begging him to stop it playing his old shit knowing he won't top it and that is just so spot on for Kanye West like and you know at this point I do feel like this was maybe like four or five years ago and I think now like the world isn't egging him on anymore but like a lot of people could see the way he was going a few years ago. And I think with help then, we could have avoided a lot of the stuff we have to deal with now with regards to like how off the rails he's gone. But like people were egging him on and there was like, it was a meme how crazy Kanye was. And and that was a genuine, I think coming from a place of love, someone saying, I would love you to stop it, but I know you won't go back to the person you were. And I also like that he references the fact that he won't top his old music because I do think there's a lot of kind of Kanye West apologists who like whenever he releases a project and like they're not good anymore and they're like just looking for a re- like oh the, but that that feels like the old Kanye that was good and I'm not specifically <laughs> talking about you here Dave but I'm like you listen to Donda and the projects like that and it's like no that's not good anymore there's I'm, stuff on Donda I think is like, genuinely amazing and I think you are who I'm referring to of course here. you are like, it's like it, it's 
I can recognize a dud when I see one, but no, I, I think half a Donda is pretty pretty strong. I, like, pretty I, I, strong. I will go to my grave. <laughs> pretty strong compared to like the best music of the past like twenty five years, which is his old shit here. I do think that there's stuff. Okay, look, I mean, like, not to get like go over old ground here, but like I think Jesus Lord Part Two is as good as anything he's ever done. I think really? I think Moon is as good as anything he's ever done. I think that's mad. Again, that's Kid Cudi and uh, Don Tolliver. I don't think that's him. Yeah. <laughs> and you got Jay Electronica on, yeah. uh, on uh, Jesus Lord Part 2 as well. Uh, look, listen, I, I, I don't disagree that the, the, the fall from grace, not just in terms of his persona and, and his life, but also the music has, it's, it's there for all to hear. Um, life of Pablo was his last great album. Agreed, yeah. But I do think that Donda does have, I think he can, I think he can make a great album out of what's on there. But I understand. I, I know you're still saying by comparison, you don't think it's anywhere up to snuff. Yeah, yeah, like even, I don't even, I don't think Donda is good, but even if I did, I'd be like, that's good. But the other stuff is like, like say to me, like Life-changing. Yeah, he probably has like three of the, my favourite albums ever. So like, I have to, like I'm not going to hold him to the same standard. It's like, oh, that's, that's okay. That's Which three good. out of curiosity? Uh, the College Dropout is my favourite album of all time. Uh, I would have The Life of Pablo on my, uh, up there and Graduation. So I think it's kind of a bit of a hipstery pick, but again, it, I like it, though. It, it 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 checks with the whole lyrics thing, like because his rapping on the college dropout in particular is just like the best I've ever heard anyone rap really. Like, did he respond to this track? I don't think he, he did. was going to. In uh, have you? Ever, I'm sure you've heard the song with Pusha T. What would Meek do? Yeah, yeah really yeah. good song. Uh, Kanye has a line in that where he says, "I'm too complex for complex," and then his it like in a in a snippet that was shared, he said, "You heard Cole on that song. He was trying to hate." But I don't know what it was replaced with. It definitely didn't make it to the like finalized version that was released. But uh, I think that even again like gives J Cole another like ten points here. It's like yeah, oh, because you, you took it out. Like yeah, yeah, you considered responding and you kind of bottled it. You knew that because you didn't you knew have it. He in was you. right almost. Yeah, or something exactly. Like that, yeah. And I don't think it was like an Eminem situation where it's like oh no, he's gonna come back way harder. I think it's more like this was a man concerned for me, looking out for me. While yeah, I feel like a lot of people aren't. I'm not going to respond to that in a negative way. Like, it's, it's completely heartbreaking. Like I, yeah. I, I was listening to this verse while cutting the clips and like it, even you heard in that clip there where he's like, am I the problem? Was it me? Did I do this? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that introspection from the fans perspective, you know? It was That's like, what he said. Like, I think he says, uh, wonder what happened. Maybe it's my fault for idolizing people based on the words that they're rapping. Yeah. And like the idolization of Kanye West definitely played a part in him having this like godlike view of himself. Of course, it could yeah. not. Like if yeah. millions of people think you're a god, you know. Yeah. He has a song called I Am A God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song and a great album. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to jump my, uh, into my number two. Uh, this will follow nicely. Um, the, a recent top five that we did, I would say we, was Adam. Adam did an amazing top five recently by producers. Hey, hey. And this uh, is a choice cut from one of his selections. And by choice cut, I of course mean something that didn't make his top five. <laughs> cutting, choice cutting room floor, you could choice say. Choice cutting room floor, and but, is someone who is most certainly going to make it into the part two. But we I did discuss Timberland. Actually. We did. In yeah. the overall context of everything. Yeah, yeah. And we did discuss Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, is Cry Me a River. 
And uh, do we much like a Warren Beatty and Carl Simon? We'll never know who the song is about, will we? There's no clue. There's Come no. On. There's no identity <laughs> whatsoever. In the video. Or anything? <laughs> <laughs> there's no. Yeah. Can I say I think this is one of the best pop songs of all time? Yes, yeah, so damn pretty good. incredible. Yeah, I will say at the top. We love Britney Spears in this show. Oh, 100%. We don't encourage any volatility against her. No. no but way. you got to say, as a kiss-off, what a song. Like, yeah. if you were to take, just on face value is what I'm saying. Like, as a, like, listen to that. It's so good. Like, yeah. it's so good. And also, I feel like this is the song that gave him credibility, right? It, it was, was the, like, it, like, it was the Stratosphere song, I think, because he did um, Senorita and then this came after Senorita. Um, and maybe one other single before that as well. Rock like, oh, Your fuck. Body, maybe? Rock yeah, Your Body yeah. was first, yeah. So Rock, like, your bo- Rock Your Body was like, okay, we're going to take this man off planet Earth and everyone in the fucking universe is going to know him. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now everybody in the fucking galaxy knows who he yeah. is. After and it was like, you know, oh, he's got venom. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit yeah. of a sting in his tail. Like, and like, yeah. you know, look, I mean, like, again, it's not about, you know, like, like, no one's looking to encourage a pylon on women or anything. It's not about that. It's more like this was a time when it was like, ooh, relationships and ooh, you know, like, I mean, everything was played out in the gossip columns. Everything was played out that way. And it was like, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier on, where it's like, at least back it up with a song. At least if you're going to talk about it, you know, don't say an interview, do it here. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not subtle, but it's not too overt, you know? Yeah. I think it was more so the fact that, their relationship was so high profile that gave it the, you know, I suppose the, the meaning and the, that, that again, that kind of sting in the song itself. They were so pristine. They were like the perfect American couple. They were like the two most beautiful people and oh my God, they're dressing in in double denim together and they're so sickening and we want this (laughs) to crack and break and it did happen and then it was like, we get this and um, I'm sure there's plenty of Britney Spears songs that have a similar tone and response. I don't know if there's a direct... I don't know if she did... Did she do a direct response to this? I don't think that she did. I could be wrong. Maybe there's really obvious one that's not staring me in the face but you know, she's obviously going through a tough time in the years that would follow. Um... I just think, you know, I, I struggle with Timberlake, I think, in terms of, I think he had that run, um, particularly like, you know, there's this, and then you get like My Love on the next album, which I think is maybe the best pop song of the 21st century. You know me, I like I like, I, I like Hyperbole. Well, funny enough, I'm pretty sure you've, you have said in the past that Toxic by Britney Spears is the best pop song of the 21st century. I've said century. about Biology by Girls Led, I've said about The Promise by Girls Led, I've said <laughs> about, about My Love by, uh, by Justin Timberlake, Timberlake, which is amazing, to be fair. He was kind of bulletproof. From this song up until, you know, Future Sex Love Sounds, I think, and then maybe maybe as far as like a song like Mirrors, which I think is genuinely incredible, but he has, in my opinion, since that kind of trajectory, since like the kind of the tens and on the way down, uh, he's fallen so fucking far. Uh, look at him, he's back with NSYNC now. Like, I mean, yeah, it's just like, crazy. which is just like, oh God, you, you, like you really are not relevant anymore. But he had that run. He had that run. And this is kind of what, what really kicked it off. Do you like him as an actor? I think he's good in social network, but it's not a difficult role. I was going to reference that scene earlier, funnily enough. When, just because you kept asking me what year I was born in, and I was going to be like, you know, when uh, Andrew Garfield confronts him, he's like, I like being next to you. You make you. Uh, I feel so tough. Yeah. I'm like, I like being with you, Dave. I feel so young. <laughs> Fair enough. Is this turning into a diss track? Um, but no, uh, he's good in social network. What else is he even in? I haven't seen Alpha Dog. Uh, he's, he's. I good. saw some like sci-fi ish movie he was in. In time. In time. Not yeah. a good movie. Killian no, Murphy's that movie's well. insane. Yeah, it's not good. Amanda Seyfried's in that movie. Um, 
he's good in Inside Lewin Davis, but he doesn't have much to do. But he plays he plays the hapless thing very well. He's not like I don't think he's anywhere close to untalented. I think he's got a lot in him. But I think in recent years it's waned massively. He also should never be forgiven for the whole Janet Jackson stuff. We know that. Um, Adam, I do have a bit of an update. There's a Vice article mm-hmm. um, called. Britney Spears made a response song to Cry Me River that you've never heard. So she never released it, okay. It was shelved and she actually, there's a line here I'm going to just try and He was the bigger person, fair play. Yep. Kind of. um, It was a few days before New Year's Eve and the track called Mona Lisa was delivered by a barefooted Britney to the KISS FM offices without the knowledge of her label. The radio station played the track live on air for the first and last time. It was never played again. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was a re- it was taken from uh, a record called Original Doll that got shelved. Um, but that's, that recording's got to be out there somewhere. Yeah, it's, sure it's, it's, oh, 100%. If it was on the it. radio. Um, <laughs> it's in the Kiss FM vault, which is actually shaped like a giant pair of lips. <laughs> um, if, uh, they reckon, going on later, to say that every time is probably the response song. I mean, if oh, it is, yeah. if it is, that is a hell of a response robust, song. It like, go, but yeah, it goes in such a different direction robust. and it's pure, you know, it, it, it's a lot of sympathy wrapped up in it and it's a really emotional tune. Uh, as was this, but it's a banger. Uh, that's my runner-up. Rudy, are we on to your number one? Yeah, on to my number one. Holy shit. One that, you know, it's a bit of an obvious one. I felt like I was trying to not be obvious with the rest of my top five, but there's, you know, only so far I can go. You, couldn't, you can't really talk about diss tracks without bringing this one up. It's one of the most well-known diss tracks that's ever existed. A, because of how good the song is and B, because of how tragically the story ended in. Ended. Uh, here's my number one. First off, fuck your bitch in the click you claim. West side, when we ride, come be quick with game. You claim to be a player, but I fucked your wife. We bust on bad boys, niggas fuck for life. Plus, Buffy trying to see me weak. Hearts I rip. Vicky Smalls and Junior Mafia, some mock-ass bitches. We keep on coming while we running for your juice. That was Tupac with Hit Em Up. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it, and I'm sure you know who it's about. It's about Biggie Smalls from Notorious B.I.G. A different vibe to the rest of the diss tracks in that, you know, there was, sadly, a constant kind of air of violence around it. You know, Tupac released this song in response to a Biggie song called Who Shot Ya, uh, which Tupac believed was about himself. You know, it was never really confirmed or yeah, anything, was it? Yeah. Like a lot of stuff with regards to that whole saga, it's a lot of hearsay, a lot of rumors. Yeah. But you know, Tupac was shot not long after a guy from like a rival, you know, coast released a song called "Who Shot You." There was very little, like if anything, within the lyrical content that you could be like, "Oh, that's referencing Tupac." Like it was purely just a song called Who Shot You but like that wasn't an uncommon song title for like that era but uh, this was came out in response uh, by all accounts and the the reports are that Biggie cried his eyes out that was a quote from someone close to him when he heard this song oh my god which is so sad I mean the whole thing is so sad like Tupac was killed three months after this and Biggie was killed not long after that. And there's the line in this one as well, where it's you know people are like, oh, it's he presaged his own death because he's got the line, you know, grab your Glocks when you see Tupac. Yeah, and it's like, no, that's not a prediction. No, like, that is just like what they talked about back yeah. then, how they rapped. And it was mm. a fucking complete act of senseless violence, as we 
know. Like I was literally only talking about this week because like this week is this is the week when the chief suspect or you know the guy who allegedly ordered it is is currently you know waiting his day in court. They have arrested and charged a guy. Yeah, um, based on like an internet vi- interview he did. Like he said, he, he said it for claiming he, he was there. Yeah, he, but he said it. He said it in his book. He said it for years. Like it's like a, we did a podcast about it in work, and like you know we had Dean Van Wyn on it, and he was talking about how like this guy was talking about this for years, but it's only now being taken seriously because it just kind of wasn't taken seriously and apparently the shooting wasn't there was criticism of how the police even handled it back then that they just didn't take it seriously they were just like this is just you know a bunch of gang guys you know who cares which is I would say exactly what how they looked at it you know which is depressing as it is and like to add to the, like I was only just kind of looking stuff up today like they were 24 and 25 respectively when they died like when been I was a kid dead used... longer in pop culture than alive which is why you think like you're like what the fuck for they sure were. yeah, yeah like yeah. I'm, I'm older than any of them either of them ever were like which is like when I was a kid I used to watch constant videos about like theories of what happened to them and like they seemed like these like mythical figures who lived an entire life and like released the amount of music that you'd be forgiven for thinking so like they both have like dozens of good songs and Tupac they... was on his way to a, like an acting career like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah 100% yeah. like he was he was definitely like a lot of people I, th- I think more people think Biggie was the better rapper than Tupac but like I think if tragedy didn't befall them I would say one would be a far bigger star today and it would be Tupac like he was he had the looks more so he had the personality he was far like cooler in the way that he spoke like he was like he would nowadays be referred to as like woke uh, which is hilarious to think about like there's some incredible interviews of him talking about like abortion and how like even he has like lines in some of his songs about like how men shouldn't determine what women do with their bodies and stuff, which is just an insane level of progression for like a gangster rapper in the mid nineties. And it's, you know, I picked this song cause it's unbelievable. It's probably the best known diss track of all time, but it's also a, a tragic tale and one that like, I'm kind of glad as much as like when I was a kid, I used to watch these, these videos and be like, God, they were so cool back then. Like rappers nowadays could never do this. I'm kind of like, it's good that we moved away. Like it's good that Kanye West and Drake aren't going to shoot each other. And there's no real fear of that happening. You know, that's a good thing that yeah. we're not there anymore. They're just going to write verses that may or may not be good. <laughs> yeah. Especially now. <laughs> it, it is sad in the sense that like I, I was thinking that and then I was like well we kind of haven't really moved away from that violence because recently you had Nipsey Hussle who was killed um, a guy who was just trying to do like so much for his community in Compton and someone obviously took umbrage with that and his success and shot him yeah that's and it, like Pop Smoke the same Pop it Smoke a of really course. exciting artist but it, like I'm saying at least like they did die. It wasn't like rival artists or whatever that they'd been going back and forth with. It's yeah. not media yeah. driven no, either. No, it was yeah. like jealousy of success and money. Exactly. Like, which exactly. is equally depressing, but like a different thing. But yeah, like a good point. Like there's, it almost seems like more on the rise now. Like there's been a few like. Yeah, there like, was nothing for so long and then. Yeah, like that guy Triple X, Tentacion, oh, like, like he died right. as well. Like it, there's been quite a few, which is it, very depressing and, and hopefully something that's like moved away from pretty quickly. Because like you say, there was a lot long time of like that not being a thing really yeah um what's before i reveal my number one i will say that like if you want to write a diss track to us because we didn't pick ether by naz because i haven't picked that i thought rudy would um, <laughs> i was going to but i just thought too obvious yeah same reason i didn't pick no vaseline i'm kind of like the conversation around that is a bit less interesting in my opinion than say sure. like the j cole kanye west one like which is if you google like best diss tracks that J. Cole one won't come up anywhere. Like it's No, that's fair, and I appreciate you uh you 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 going against the grain for that one. Um 
You know, we all know what my number one is. Uh, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just play it. Let them know who you chose as your Beyonce. Sophie knows better as your baby mother. Cleaned her up for IG, but the stench is on her. A baby's involved. It's deeper than rap. We talking character. Let me keep with the facts. You are hiding a child. Let that boy come home. Deadbeat motherfucker playing Border Patrol. Ooh. Adonis is your son, and he deserves more than an Adidas press run. That's real. Love that baby, respect that girl Forget she's a porn star, let her be your world Yeah. How dare you put yay in my verses I'm selfish, I want all of the curses I'm pre-booking the churches Me versus three hearses If we all go to hell, it'll be worth it Already aligned with the greats And on that same note, the only ones I chase are two ghosts Still giving you classics That's the only thing that dates me OVO 40, hunched over like he 80 Tick, tick, tick. How much time he got that man is sick, sick, sick. I got the devil. Right. Uh, it is Pusha T. <laughs> it's Pusha T. It's the story of Adidon. It's 2018, I think. Uh, it's Lucy. It's um, <laughs> it's about Drake. As we all know. Really? I, Drake? I, I don't think... I think it's the most brutal thing I've ever heard in my life. With each new line, and even the way it starts, like, I mean, I've said this before, but, like, if Pusha T wrote a song about me and it started off with him saying, let's have a heart-to-heart about your pride, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I'm not leaving the house for about two years. <laughs> um, this is astonishing. It's, of course, about Drake hiding a child. Uh, and as many people have pointed out, you know, uh, when this song came out, a, a child got a father that day. <laughs> Pusha T did, did a good thing. And he, re- he made Drake become a responsible father. Um, you don't agree with any of this, though, do you? Because you love Drake. I love Drake. And I don't disagree with what you're saying, though. Like, this is this is like one of the clearest examples of like a win in a diss track. Can ever. you give us like a little bit of backstory here, again, in terms of how this came about? Because, like, Pusha T baited him. Yeah, really, like, geniusly. The song Infrared on Daytona. Yeah, which, when you listen back now, is, like, eerie, because it's, like, a man, like, in a studio being like, please respond, because I will drop a bomb on your house. I know such a brilliant piece of information. And, like, it, like it, the way Pusha T raps, like, I've heard, like, there's so many jokes about how he raps, like, I saw a tweet the other day, I was like, he raps like he's in your house and you don't know what room he's in. <laughs> it's great, I love it. <laughs> so true. But, like, even more eerie when you know what's coming. So, he dropped... Infrared and a few songs on an album that, like, I don't think it was Daytona. Oh, what? It is Daytona. Daytona. Yeah. yeah. Which like, is a fabulous album, by the way. Quite, I think What Would Meek Do was on that, which is yeah. a reference to Meek Mill and Drake's previous yeah. beef, which Drake It's won a seven track album. It's fucking incredible. I think basically every song is unbelievable on that album. Yeah. Uh, Kanye produced. Yeah. It's but, part of the, the whole. Uh, Good music. The yeah. Wyoming sessions? Like, isn't it? Yeah, I think it, it would was. Have been. Yeah, yeah, it was one of yeah. like, because Ye came the out. Five of, albums yeah, you've yeah, put yeah, yeah, yeah. And who else was there? Tiana Taylor, Taylor, Nas, Kitsy Ghosts, of course. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good run. Famous. Yeah. And, and, and Ye, the problematic Ye. Anyway, back to this. So uh, he, on Infrared, I think Pushed he had lines about like, just Drake not being like, not having like full ownership of his music and being a bit embarrassed. It's the ghostwriting stuff as well, yeah, isn't the it? Ghost yeah, ghostwriting. Yeah. Like, cause say Meek Mill had like a pretty good angle with the ghostwriting, but Drake kind of eviscerated him with some really good stuff about him and Nicki Minaj's relationship. But uh, Pusha T is not Meek Mill. Uh, so Drake responded with Duppy, which is <laughs> the actually... The way you describe there is like, it's like, it's like a video game where it's like, you're good enough to beat that boss, but not this one. Which is <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of exactly it. Like, And I do actually think... <laughs> it's like Elden Ring or something. Yeah, yeah, like, Jesus. You'll never, is... you'll never 100% this game. <laughs> no. 
I, I, like, I don't think that there's many artists that Drake would lose to. I think he's actually a far better like rapper and writer than a lot of people give him credit you for. You made an insane statement on Twitter today. That, that he's better than most of his peers. I just can't stand. I I, I can't stand by this. I think I think he, he he definitely is, and I don't even know how controversial that is. Like at, at like he, I think the ghostwriting thing like damaged his reputation to the point that people are like now, oh, he's just a pop star and has stuff written for him. But like it's ignored that like he wrote for Kanye and has written for like multiple like rap heavy artists. Like he wrote that. Uh, oh, it's a good song. I've forgotten it, the one. She could get menacing. Frightening. It's on one of the. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot what it's called, but he wrote like a large percent of that song. But anyways, so so Drake uh, takes the bait. Takes the bait. Here's infrared, and he's like, okay, his I, face goes red. He's like, I haven't, I haven't lost yet. I'll, I'll hop on, hop in the studio. He releases like a pretty good diss track in Duppy that you'd think yeah, like Duppy freestyle, Duppy freestyle, and actually spends the majority of it targeting Kanye West. Like the first line of it is like. So if you accuse me of working with someone else on a couple of V's, what do you really think of the person that's making your beats? And then spends like 16 bars going at Kanye, which is why Push T responds with, uh, how dare you put yeah in my verses. I'm, I'm selfish. selfish, I want all the curses. Which is so good. Brilliant. But, you know, I think, like, Drake kind of finishes his freestyle with being like, oh, like, I've swatted you away, like, now leave me alone, I'm going back into the studio to finish my album. And everyone was like, wow, like, he's done it again, like, he's just crushed Pusha T. And within, like, 12 hours or, like, 24 hours later, it was like, nope, the whole world is going to look at you differently forever. And you Because this track was just running in a fucking hole in his hard drive, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was ready to go. And, of course, has the, uh, it has lots of things in it, but it has the information that was not public, which was that Drake had a secret child. Yeah, and the art, work was Drake doing blackface which was like uh, it ended up being like proven that that was for like a college acting assignment which Drake revealed by notes app on the iPhone on, on a tweet rule number one of a modern day diss track don't take to the don't notes don't do a notes app, app. Like, that's <laughs> all a, credibility down the jacks that's an admission of defeat you know that is a full blown admission of defeat and Drake has said in interviews since he's like yeah like I recorded a response but I just you know I thought you know at that moment I'm going to be the bigger man I'm like don't pick now to be, don't be the bigger man when you're losing it's also bullshit though yeah there's, there's the talk that's like some legendary figure from the scene stepped in and yeah, was like Jay you know, Prince, I, I made peace between these guys and Drake of course was like well phew, the track I didn't get to release let me tell you, oh, 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 that would have just. Oh, it's real, like you know. Oh yeah, no, I met her on holidays. She's yeah, like you know, she's my yeah, girlfriend. I, I think it's. I think <laughs> it's what nonsense. a great comparison that is. That's brilliant. Because like, even if he had like, the best someday. best song ever to come back, like what people think about with this song isn't the song; it's the revelation. And Drake's not going to have some like Pusha T is kind of a an open book to him like he's in it like has a wife and is very public about it and has always has been and so I feel like the answer to this question is rhetorical but does Pusha T go too far in this track particularly when it comes to talking about uh, Noah Forty Shabib a hundred percent yeah How I don't think that has man a chronic illness yes. like, I think the rest of it is fair game and that is absolutely too far yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like the the tick 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 but this, the, when he did the, when he like took the 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 six ad lib thing yeah. that, that's in like a lot of the OVO recordings and which oh, would largely that's, be that's phenomenal work like in that would be that guy forties like producer tag yeah, I would assume yeah, yeah it's one of them at least like yeah. it's just, genuinely like I I just every time I go back to it I like it more. I, I just think that it's it's a work of art and it's like not on Spotify or anything. It's just like out there on YouTube. <laughs> uh, apparently he was taken down at one point. But oh, how could you be surprised about came that? Came back. Like, yeah. But it was just like, I, I also like, I didn't, I wasn't as tuned into it at the time as I wished I was. Because apparently, was. if it you was yeah. like It was like a big Manchester United loss for me. Because <laughs> like, 
after <laughs> Duffy in the Champions League final. Yeah, yeah, after Duffy came out, I was on Twitter and I was like, "You really thought Drake wouldn't respond to push a T of all people?" <laughs> and then like twenty four hours later, it's like I'm just like tail took to my legs, like, "Oh yeah, maybe he lost this one." Like it was like. <laughs> You know, narrow two-one defeat, and then like I do remember at one point I was like, "But like, if you actually listen to the like song, I think Drake's one is actually better." But, like, <laughs> not true at all. There's a coping mechanism. Lost on penalties. Like. Yeah. Oh, the ref fucked us over. Was my logic like? Well, he might have lost some penalties, but I think we've won this week on the uh, on the No Encore podcast. This was a really fun one. Um, I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you very much for coming in. I promise I won't leave it four years this time. <laughs> yeah, please don't. I'll come back in whenever, or if you want to just meet up off mic, Dave. We That's, can do that too, yeah. I'm happy out. Absolutely. Top, top five FIFA songs next time, perhaps? Yeah, I'd be all over that. I sure. guess I can't give it to anyone else now. Fine. <laughs> well, it's, you, you heard it here first. I'm, I'm amazed. They're not fucking paying us, although it's not called FIFA anymore, so yeah, whatever. Anyway, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, his name is Rudy Kinsley. He's great. Hello. Give it up. That's me. Stadium of stadium stadium of applause. <laughs> effect, please, Adam. Thanks for having me in this in this beautiful studio. I've yeah. heard a lot about the studio and and was expecting big things, and it's it's lived up to the to the hype. It's really lovely. I'm very very happy about that. that it is that very makes very me nice. Feel very good. I mean, I would say that you know, I hope it never comes to it. I hope I never have to write a, a, a verse or two about someone being terrible. But I think what would happen is if I had to write a verse or two about someone being terrible, I'd just think about Adam, and then I'd write a nice verse or two about them because. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. Exactly. I you were going to be it's like, most, I know who I'll record. It's my <laughs> most mangled link ever. For, to basically, say I like I like where you went in the end. Sonic it, Architect Adam, everybody. It's great to be here. Right, uh, it's Patreon.com. If you want to help support the show, uh, we'd also help you support the show by leaving a review and following us online and telling your friends about the podcast. Of course, that's that's the greatest review of all. And really. you can leave us feedback on Spotify now. You can uh, answer questions about the show or like you know leave a leave a comment on the Spotify app itself. Yeah. We're at no Encore Show on Instagram. We don't really use Twitter anymore because Twitter is terrible. Yeah. And you can get in touch with the show that way as well. Follow us, all that kind of stuff. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Adam. And my name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And I'm off to listen to The Story of Adidon by Pusha T. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>